adieu, adieu, parted is such sweet sorrow as we come together to bid Johnny Williams a fine farewell and observe him board the excellent Welsh sartorial con uh, convoy to Qatar. But more of that later, along with the chance to win a signed photo lovingly provided by the man himself, Johnny Williams. Well, yes, indeed, we've got another jam-packed show for you this evening. Annie Colston and Helena Diaz-Butcher join us hot off the back of cup success for Swindon Town's women. We've got town legend Charlie Austin live from Brisbane. We've got the marvellously musical kit men, Hoops and Jonah, joining us from the kit room. We've got Paul Caddis joining us with a really, really exciting update. You are not going to want to miss it. Plus, we've also got Tramir to review. We've got crew on Saturday to preview. We've also got the FIFA World Cup looming. and We'll be taking your calls and debating whether, for Swindon Town fans, it's club or country. We'll also be debating your January transfer window wish list, so don't be shy. Hit the speaker request button later in the show and join us for your chance to win lovely, lovely stuff. Yes, indeed, it's all here and live in the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge. But first, ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, folks. It's time for the man you've all been asking for. Tonight's first special guest is a relative latecomer to the pro game, born in the Gambia, moving to the UK with his family as a nipper. He's both footed, all action, six foot one of pure, glorious smiles on the ball. And if you don't believe me, ask fans of Chesterfield, Maidstone, Dagenham and Redbridge, Tooton and Mitcham and Dulwich Hamlet. You'll not find a group of supporters with a bad word to say about the footballer or indeed the man within. Now, fundamentally settled into the rigours of the pro game, Towns number 23 is here to lift the hood on the man under the shirt and give us an insight into what makes the Gambian tick. Esteemed listeners, wacka wacka, hey hey, I give you Saidu Khan. Saidu Khan, good evening buddy, how are you? Good evening, good evening. Yeah, loud and clear pal, loud and clear. It's an absolute delight to have you on. Nice. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, been looking forward to it the whole day. Ah, uh, smashing. Well, listen, mate, yeah, I, I, I can promise you, looking forward to it not half as much as we are. Sidu, let me introduce <laughs> my co host this evening. Um, Joe Vincent, meet Sidu Khan. Hello, how's it going, right? mate? Hi, Sidu. How are you? You right? Yeah, good, mate. I'm buzzing for this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a long time coming. Oh, bless you. Well, look, Sidney, we know, uh, obviously, we're, we're starting the show a little earlier. We're normally a 9pm plus show, so clearly we'll be watching our language tonight and making sure we're on the best of behaviours. Um, you're the perfect you're the perfect gentleman, so we've got no concerns for you. It's more us and our roguish <laughs> listeners that we need to be listening to. But, that was aimed at me. But we've got we've got 45 minutes with you, Sidu, so we're going to make it count. How does that sound? Yeah, um, yeah sounds perfect for me. All right, so listen, we're going to jump straight on in. You've already yeah. had your glamorous introduction, so we're going to fire these questions that have come in as a consequence of uh, the existence of Twitter, Instagram, and our WhatsApp group. Um, so brace yourself, buddy. The first question is from Matt S on Twitter, Saidu. Yeah. And Matt says, have you thought about copywriting the calm term? Have we lost your side? Are you still there? 
Joe, have we still got you, pal? Hello. Yeah, I'm sorry, here, mate. I think Sardi might have dropped off. Back on, yeah. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> You're back on, mate. Cool hey, don't worry. Listen, Sardi, it wouldn't be Twitter Spaces without the old technical gremlin. <laughs> it all adds to the charm. Nah, this one's on my side. <laughs> I had a cool come in. Oh, uh, no worries, pal. No worries. Oh, yeah, tell, tell, them to behave, tell them to behave themselves. You're doing important business. <laughs> <laughs> so, Saidu, the, the first question was from Matt S on Twitter. Matt says, have you thought about copywriting the Khan turn? Nah, nah, not yet. I'll probably think about that now going forward. I've been doing it a lot in the past few days. Um, I think last year and the past few years, I haven't really done it a lot because I was playing in different roles on the pitch. And... Meeting that I've been playing in the holding mid role, and I feel like the turn always well, nine times out of ten gets me out of trouble. And when I do do it, it's, it's not conscious, it just, it just comes out. So, is it is it just like in the position that you're playing, Sider, you just got a little bit more time to do it, or was it just not practical before? Uh, I think I've always had it. I've always had it. When I was playing in Gambia, you didn't really have the position. So you, you, you've got to find a way to play in whatever position you're put in. And, yeah. and you just got to adapt. So I played, I played in goal before, I played right back, I played in the ring. And when I play in those positions, I do different stuff. But every time I play in midfield, because the midfield is so packed, you've got, you've got to bring in like little turns and little dribbles to get out of trouble. And I, I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it. And sometimes in the game, I think to myself, okay, I've done it so many times in this game, they, they might read it the next time I do it. And they seem to not read it. So most times it works. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to lie. The idea of seeing you in goal, mate, just boggles the mind. <laughs> are, are you, so, obviously, we're, we're a little light in the goalkeeping department. Yeah. Let's say, worst case scenario, would you pull the gloves on if required? Uh, nah, I'd die. I'd die. Sorry, if we've... Um... If we were in a situation where we had five subs already used yeah. and say Sol Brim gets sent yeah. off, it's a penalty, yeah. who of our team do you think would go in there? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I think if that was to happen, straight away in my head I would think, you know what, it should be getting ready here if you're going to go. I don't think I don't think the gaffer knows that with the coaching staff. I don't I don't really wanna I don't really wanna let them know that I could I could play in goal. I, I am like over the moon to be. I'm, I'm over the moon that we're breaking that exclusive to the fan base. <laughs> I do. I can't lie. Absolutely over the moon. But look, Joe, move, move us along, mate. You got the next one. I have indeed. Yeah. So the next one um, comes from AB's STFC clips on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, she's asked, "Is it true you once tackled shoplifters at supermarkets in between football?" Let's say that again, sorry. Is it true that? She says, is it true yeah. you once tackled shoplifters in supermarkets <laughs> in between football? Nah. No, well, I don't think I don't think anyone knows this, is it? But I was working in Lidl. Obviously you know you know I've been working in Lidl before, back in my generation days. And there's a few times that shoplifters come into the shop. I didn't really try to tackle them. But I would, I would chase them around the shop. And then <laughs> <laughs> get all the answers back. And it got to a point where I knew what they looked like. So if the shoplifter walks in the shop and they've done it before, I'll follow them around the shop. And as soon as the thought of Saidu running <laughs> after a shoplifter, using the Saidu turn and then catching them out, I always call them. Perfect. I always call them ten times out of ten. What, we did, what was your what was your tactic, Saidu? Speaking as a former police officer, what was your what was your line when you got your hands on them? 
don't really say. I didn't really say much. I just, I just took the items of them because I, I was scared that someone, someone would do something violent to me. And most, most times, I catch them literally at the entrance. And if they do anything to me there, I don't know what's gonna happen. But yeah, I just, I just call them and just wait for the security to come, come and help. And the security. I can't think of a better person to be thrown out of a uh, shop by than Sidu Khan. I'd love that. I'd go on the rob just to do it, Sidu. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd do anything, Sidney. We'd do anything to make you smile, mate. I tell you, we are going to literally, yeah, we're going to have to start getting on the wrong. <laughs> getting on the wrong. We're, more, more about your smile later, Sidu. I'll give you the next question. Yeah. Uh, the next question, Sidu, comes from STFC Josh. Sidu, he says, who are your favourite three players you have played with in your career and the three least favourite players that you've played against, as in hard to play against? Um... So your three favourites that you've played with and the, your three least favourite players you've played against because they were obviously yeah. tough opponents. My three favourite, I think the first one would be Isaiah Jones. I don't know if you've heard his name before. They're from Middlesbrough now. Uh, actually, went back, I was moving back into the Mitchell. And I liked him a lot because back then anyway, he was very, very confident. I remember when we had games, we were talking in the changing room and he would just say silly stuff like, uh, today, I'm going to make someone, I'm going to flick it over someone's head and he would do it. And uh, on the way back from, from football, he would usually say, well, watch in the next few years or in the next few years, I'm going to be in the championship. I'm better, I'm better than you guys. Da, 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 da. And then he went, he went and done it. Now he's in the championship. I think Amazing. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, the second one would be Manu Oyeleke at Chesterfield. I think he's injured at the minute. He played, he played for Odin Mid, he played with him last year. And he was, he was like an older brother to me in, uh, on the pitch, on the pitch. And he really led by example. I think I learned, I learned a lot from him as well last year. Um, I think the, the third one would be Kabongo Tishmanga, at Chesterfield as well. He was just a crazy goal scorer. <laughs> I remember some games we'd be struggling and you just know he needs one chance. And when you give him the chance, he, he will score. I think he scored about 25 goals in 25 games in the league last season. Kabongo is one of those players that we see every single transfer window, isn't he, Hannah? Linked yep. to Swindon. Swindon fans crying out for us to sign him. Oh, yeah, he's always getting to us. Always. Serious, serious, serious mm. I'm just I'm getting poison pen letters from uh, Jake Wakeling, um, <laughs> uh, Mar Marcel Lavinier, Tyree Shade. Yeah, they're they're all they're all wondering why there's a few names missing off your top three list there, Sidu. Uh, so they're, no, they're, they're not going to lie. No, I'll, I'll talk about them later on when I retire from football. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm playing with them, I don't want to put their egos up the roof. Ah, <laughs> keep, keep yeah, down. we've had enough of that. As, yeah, we've had enough of that. As the gaffer said a couple of weeks back. Yeah. What about your three? What about your three least favourite players you played against? Oh, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. The, the only one I remember was one of the centre-backs at Bromley last year. I can't remember his name. Really. But I played uh, left centre-back for them. I think he's still there. I hated playing, yeah. hated playing against him. Just close a lot. Close a lot. I remember one last game I played against him. Captain Payne used to my teammates to give me the ball because I would use it every time I get it, trying to get in my head. And they ended up beating us about 5-1 or 4-1. Um... 
Yeah, they're a good side, Bromley side. They're, they're my they're my local side, money, and yeah, um, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of money in there. The guy that owns Bromley, as I'm sure you probably know, used to own Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Lost lost all his money uh, with Palace, but then remade it all, and then went and bought Bromley. Oh, okay. um, and they they were supposed to have a good tilt at it this year, but um, yeah, it's not it's it's not quite happened. They faded away again a little bit. Typical Bromley, but uh, yeah, that, 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 that guy there made me hate Bromley. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, I won't ask. Is, is there? Can you share the story as to why? Did he try and sign you? No, no, not, not the manager. The, the player that I was talking about. Oh, the yeah, centre back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, well, we're not all bad in Bromley, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Pitch, pitch <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come on to that as well. Um, Joe, do you want to move us along? Yeah, I can do, mate. <clears throat> um, so. The next question's come from Abby on Twitter. Uh, she's asked, which player thinks they're funny, but they're not? Uh, well, in Swindon, yeah. In Swindon, yeah. I think I think I'll give you it. Morgan. Morgan Roberts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> Terrible jokes, is it, Saidu? No, he's, he's funny at the right time, but sometimes I go into training in the morning. I'm, I'm more grumpy than that. When I haven't had good sleep, at night, I'm going to the morning and as soon as I walk in the changing room, he's just singing non-stop. It pisses me off sometimes. <laughs> he's just bringing the vibes to the dressing room, that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, everyone else loves it, but I feel like he's got to be at the right time. Isn't it? I love Morgan, but he gets in my nose. Morgan Roberts, the Swindon Town vibe meister. Well, we, lo- we learn something new all the time. That's why I love these <laughs> interviews. Here's, here's another one for you, Saidu. Yeah. Um, this is from Louis on Twitter. Louis asks, Saidu, what do you make of Jonas singing? Jonas, Jonas singing is the best. It's the best. <laughs> I, I remember when I signed, I, was, I done my initiation. It was bad. It was in the And Jonas sang, I think after me, I think I was last time, and he sang next trip again. Someone else done the initiation, and then Jonas sang. So every time we go on a weird trip, everyone will make him sing. And he just loves it. <laughs> In the morning, in training, in the corridor, he's just there, just singing his heart. He doesn't need an excuse, that boy, does he, to, to burst out in the song? He loves nah, it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He will just do it, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> what uh, what you got for us, Joe? Uh, so next up, we've got Alan Jones on Twitter. He's, well, he's gone along with Jonah as well. He says, after seeing Jonah's crooning... Which town player has got the best singing voice? After uh, Morgan again. Oh, he can sing and he does it all the time. That is quite he, annoying, to be fair. He can sing, but it's annoying because he's always singing Eminem most of the time. Because he's thinking of Eminem and he's uh, always rapping to the boys. But he, he does have a good voice when he's rapping. He just gets annoying because he does it all the time. <laughs> Right, Saidu, I've got the next one. It's just coming from Daz Smith. And Saidu, get ready for this. Daz says, can Saidu Khan do the can-can? And of course he can. When he scores a goal, can he do the can-can-can? You broke, you broke up there. Say that again. <laughs> it, 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 probably just as well. He's, Darren is asking, can Saidu Khan do the can-can? And, and of course he can. When he scores a goal, can he do the can-can? Question mark. <laughs> So, yeah, I think he wants, yeah, you and the boys doing the can, 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 uh, all around the ground is kind of what he's getting at. I think. Oh, oh, oh. 
Got right. We we need a, We got changed. We, that's broken my brain. Daz, listening Daz, to Daz, that. Daz, mate. Seriously, we're talking about terrible banter, Daz, and you come in left field with that. That's the worst <laughs> dad joke. Man. That's made Morgan Roberts that I'm making fun of. See, Daz, you're Daz, you're forgetting, Daz. It's seven o'clock tonight. Start not a nine o'clock start. So you know, you, I, I appreciate you trying to keep things clean, but um, that's appalling banter. <laughs> right, we'll get we'll get back to a slightly more slightly more serious question. Um, yeah. what's, uh, this is from Sarah on Instagram uh, side. Yeah. She says, "What's your earliest football memory?" My earliest football memory, I think, it would be watching the Gambia under seventeen, you know, under seventeen's World Cup. I can't remember. I can't remember the year. Two thousand seven, eight, or earlier than that. And they had a good run. Who they beat as well. Portugal. So that's why I remember it. When they beat Brazil, the whole, the whole game was going mad. How old would you have been, Sidi? Probably seven, eight. Wow. And was it that? Was it those memories that made you fall in love with the game? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, all I wanted to be, obviously, I didn't know, I didn't know England or Europe like that. So all I wanted to be was grow up and play for the Gambia national team. That's my ambition. But my, my right, first, more, more my, of yeah, my first proper more of that to come, Sido. You, you keep your powder dry there, pal. We've got a couple of questions in relation to that coming up for you. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Joe, what you got next? Uh, up next, we've got Evie on Instagram. She says, "My, what a smile! Who do you get it from?" Uh, I think my dad. Yeah, I got it from my dad. Wow. So I, so I do. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know whether you noticed, but about halfway through the first half on Saturday, yeah. the town end started singing your Wacka Wacka song. I reckon you heard that because you gave us the biggest smile. I, literally, it was the most amazing sight. Did you hear it, or was that you? You just grinning generally. Dude, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. I think that was me. Right, we'll get, keep keep your ears peeled, pal, because they are starting to belt that out. I'm sure it'd be even louder for you on Saturday now. Yeah, yeah, um, along, along similar lines, Saidu, Martin on Twitter says a man with a smile like yours must have a guilty pleasure, Saidu. What is it? And can I have some too? What's your favourite coffee? What's your favourite coffee shop in Clapham for a brownie? Say that again. What's your favourite Clapham coffee uh, coffee shop for a brownie? Uh, I don't really go to the local ones. I normally get it from Starbucks. I even have one today. I have a Starbucks or I get it from the supermarkets. So I like to have a good truck at home. So I don't, I don't always it, go out to get it. Here's a little tip for you, Saidu. Yeah. Take the hazelnut brownie from Cafe Nero. It'll change your life. <laughs> yeah. Hazelnut brownie, Cafe Nero. It'll change your life. It certainly put about four stone on bean, but we won't dwell on that. We'll, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe, move us on. 
Uh, Hannah's. We've actually got Ellis has jumped on the show. Another oh, co-host. Uh, hello, hello. hello Sorry, I'm a little bit late. I was getting, getting, my, I was getting my hair cut. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Hi, sorry, dude. Uh, I've got I've got the next question. Um. Okay. Uh, this is from Nathan on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Respectfully, can you tell us about your late father? Um, it's clear to see the influence he sort of had on your football. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, could you, could you, could you sort of tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, um, uh, I was with him a lot when I was when I was very very young. I don't have a lot of memories because as I was growing up, he moved over to England. But earlier on, he was in the Gambia working in the in the army, and he went on doing peacekeeping mission and stuff like that. But when he moved to England, I think that helped me football wise because he was sending heaps and. Uh, Footballs, everything I needed at the time, he would he would send, and I was really really close to him. I was in, uh, I was him and my mum. I was close to him, and I was with her at the time. And uh, I think I was twelve years old when he passed away. And that that hit me a lot. That hit me a lot because then when that when he passed away, I just pulled my head. This might be it for me. Chasing football because he was one of the only people that was supported me and now now he's gone. Even the, the morning that I got the news that he passed away, I think I was getting ready to play a full match. I was putting my socks and my, my shoes and stuff like that. Ready to go out and my cousin my cousin came home crying. I asked him why are you crying? What's up? And he told me that my dad had passed away. In in Brixton. I was in Gambia back then and he, he lived in England. That that, that was the, the saddest part of my life. But I didn't I didn't know what to be. I didn't know what to be. I was so confused. You know, when you're young, you're 12 years old, you're close to someone, and all of a sudden you get told that, that they're gone. I didn't really know how to take it. Luckily for me, I had good people around me that helped me get through that, that period. And when I, when I had a clear head from that, I just thought, you know what, now I've just got to push myself to get to get to a professional football team and do it for him. And ever since then, till now, he's been working hard. And I hope that he's really proud of whatever he is. When, when I got told the news that he passed away, I was listening to Westlife. I've done an interview this morning, I was talking about it. I was listening to Westlife songs. And now, before every game in the changing room, I put on my headphones and I'm listening to that song. And every time I do that, it's like he, he's there. He's there with me. I've got to do it. Wow. I've got to do it on away trips. Before we get to the hotel, I'll play the song on my, on my headphones. In the morning, I'll play it in the change room just before I go out. I'll, I'll, it's like a ritual, which I'll do every single day. When I, when I have a good performance, I'm, I'm obviously I'm buzzing because I feel like he has whatever he is. And when I have a think of a bad performance, it's like, you know what? I've got to make it up to him again next week. So everything I do is football. Kind of with him in the back of my head, and I think I'll do that. Because I'm gonna do that for the rest of my career. When I retire from football, I wanna write a book about him because he's been he's been an influence on my inspiration since I was young until now. Even though he's not here with me, he's been an influence. You know what, I do. I mean, 
to to have achieved what you've achieved already in your career, yeah. I'm sure you know you, you're you know your dad would be looking down on you. I'm sure he'd be incredibly proud. You know wherever he is, yeah. um, you, you've got. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, like by the time we get to the end of our questions, like everyone will have a flavour as to the kind of you know the breadth of your career and what you've achieved and the things that you've overcome. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to have that as a driving force, I think. Um, you know, it's it's not the same motivation as you know as, as most people. I'm sure you know there are other footballers that have lost a, you know, lost a, a father. I mean, I lost my dad when I was relatively young, yeah. nowhere near as young as you. And yeah, I, I understand there's empathy there in terms of the sort of motivations that it can give you. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I mean, what an incredible story. So, are you aware that there is the most incredible picture of you and your dad if you Google yourself? When I was doing some research for the show today, there's a brilliant picture of you and your dad sat together at a table when you're really, really young. I'm sure you. Yeah, I, I think I think I was the one that got the picture. I, I did an interview last year, just before my FA Cup game against Chelsea at Chesterfield, and I, I sent a picture across the game. I remember when my dad first moved to England. I didn't know I didn't know anything about England, so he would call me and put me on other teams there in England. He would talk about Chelsea, Arsenal, football league system. And stuff like that because his ambition was to bring me over here, so I think I'm a belief. So when we when we got the door to play against Chelsea, I was asked to do an interview and I tried to find a picture somewhere and send it. I think it's on the internet now, yeah. Well, Sidu, Sidu, with your permission, we, we would love to sort of tweet that around the Saturn Broadbent Lounge and give everyone that view because the th- first thing that struck me was just how much like your dad you look. Yeah, 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 I look exactly like okay. Now that, now that I'm older, I, I even look extra, more like it, yeah. Well, if you're if you're happy to, buddy, would be we would be more than happy to share that with a broader audience. I think I think for those that haven't Googled it, it certainly deserves it. But at the same time, obviously that's your family picture, so I won't do that without your say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can yeah you can post it and um, it's fine by me. Oh, that's incredible. You, you well, you can you can be sure I will, um, or certainly one either Joe or um or Ellis will um whilst we're completing the interview, so everyone can have a have, have a, everyone can enjoy that whilst they're, whilst they're listening in. Yeah, you. yeah. What's um? So, Joe, do you do you want to move us along? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so next question comes in from uh, Sean on WhatsApp. He asked, "Who's the best player you came across in non-league?" The best player I came across in there's a few. Um, I think I'll give it to the guy that I played with at Maystone in my last year, Andre Bucard. I think he played in the championship as well. He he played me good with me, and he was just different, different to everyone else that I played with. Even now, when I think about it, he, he's just a joke. He's so good. I think it surprises some people the standard of non-league, doesn't it? I think when you think the words non-league, I think a lot of people think, okay, they're semi-professional, they're not full-time, the standard isn't there. But it, genuinely, I think compared to like five, ten years ago, yeah. it's it's a really good standard of football. Yeah, yeah very good players in non-league. Very, very good players. That's why most of the time when you see a non-league player make, make a move up in the football league system, they tend to just keep on going up and up. Yeah, the the gap's closing as well, Sido, isn't it? I mean, I tended to I tended to find yeah. um, that you 
there's usually sort of financial reasons that keep very, very good players in non-league. So they've got usually yeah. got very successful jobs outside of football. Yeah, and, yeah. and and actually walking away from those jobs is quite a hard call for them, isn't it? You're, you're breaking up again. Oh, sorry, Sidey. Yeah, so I was just saying that yeah. some, of, some of the players that are non-league have got very, very good jobs. Yeah. But financially, it's a big gamble to walk away from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Some of them... Find it easier to play part time and obviously maintain the job they've got on the side that's giving them big money in a month rather than climb up the league and earn a bit less than they would with their job. Mm. So they just love to play in the Ellis, do you want to move us along? Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, right. This is from Ian on WhatsApp. Uh, you play for Maidstone. How are you an advocate for... Pla- Sorry, are you an advocate for plastic pitches? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I got injured a lot at Maidstone because of the FPG. I was playing in the left throughout the week and I was just playing home games there as well. Every week there's a different injury with a different player. Yeah, I find it bon- I find it bonkers that you've got the pla- you know even with like the latest sort of generation of plastic pitch, I find it very very surprising that you're seeing it in the Scottish Premier. I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. Most of the most annoying thing is when you got to tip your boot out at the end of the game, got all those plastic balls in the bottom of your yeah. of your of your Sometimes boot. Yeah, yeah. Now, funny enough, I was just about to say that side. Yeah. Like as a as a my my goalkeeping memories were literally about pluck like take having to take the gloves out uh, off and pluck little chunks of tire out of my <laughs> eye. But anyway, that's a different story altogether. I've, I've, I've got the next question for you, Saidu. And you sort of touched on it earlier. International aspirations with the Gambia. So there are two games in November for the Scorpions. They're currently ranked 126th in the world, but there's no hint of a call up. Are you in touch with them? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've got. Games coming early next year, which I hope I get called up to. But at the minute, anyway, because it's in season, my focus right now is just to get to them and try to get promoted. Because if they are not, to get called up for the Gambia, but I'm not coming in a rush right now. Yeah, and give it, giving your motivation side, I think we can all understand why you want to do that as yeah. well. Um, and, and clearly, we wish you all the luck in the world with that activity. Joe, what's, what you got next? Uh, <clears throat> so, up next, uh, Tom on Twitter, he's asked, what's your preferred position? Um, it all depends on the team and the system they play. Earlier on in my career. You are those, are you just happy to be on the pitch and do whatever the gaffer wants, really? I would do that, yeah, but that's not what I want. Um, well, earlier <laughs> in my career, I was playing goal, obviously, and then again, most of my career growing up, I played defensive midfield. Even in Gambia, I played defensive midfield. Trust me, for England, I played defensive midfield. I think I got put in the A. At Chesterfield, I got put in the A at Chesterfield and I played number eight for the whole year. I scored a few goals. Yeah, 
you know, what this answer tells me, Sidhu, is Sol Brin's got to be looking over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's uh, uh, Ellis? I believe you're up next, pal. I am indeed. Um, this is from Tony Simpson on WhatsApp. You played for, uh, right, ex- excuse my pronunciation, Tooting and Mitchum. Yeah. Ever swam in the famous Tooting Lido? Is that right? Uh, yeah, Tooting Lido. No, I haven't. I can't do it. No Tooting Lido for you. Well, it's Tooting Lido. Side, all I can say is it's it's Tooting's loss, mate. It's Tooting's <laughs> loss. Drop, drop your smile in the middle of Tooting Lido, mate. They're, dub- they're double the football. To be honest, if it's any Lido, if I've been to Aldershot Lido once, and if that's anything to go by, it's not a, you're not missing out, really. Yeah. Oh, how dare you! Wash your yeah. mouth out! How dare you disgrace my manner with such chat? Don't ever exactly. compare tooting with blinking Aldershot. <laughs> What's uh, I've got the next one for you, Sidu. How are you finding that? This is from Wesley on Twitter, yeah. and Wesley asks, "How are you finding the football league and the general setup around Swindon Town Football Club, Sidu?" Swindon myself. In Sweden, it's, it's a plus. Training sessions are good. Everyone's all the players are looking after the road. The staff, everyone's welcoming. When I first joined the club, it was, it was so easy to just fit in. Um, the football league, I think, I think it, it's just the way it is. Welcome to the football league. When people make the move to the football league, sometimes it's kind of difficult. How I see football is whatever league I'm going to is is the same. The basics are the same. It's eleven v eleven. I just got I just got to enjoy it. And when you do enjoy it, when you you perform every league I go to, as I mentioned, I go with. So when I change to new team, I just thought I've just got to find an opportunity to be in the team. I just got to enjoy it. And when it happens after that happens, then I go to go enjoy it. That's 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 what I think. Well, Saidu, like I said, how many times have we talked about your smile today, mate? You're clearly a man that's enjoying his time in SM1. Um, so keep keep smiling, bud. Um, that, that would be that would be all, that would be my only request. <laughs> Joe, Joe, you've got the next one, I believe. I do indeed, mate. Yeah. So um, this one might be from myself, actually. It says from Joseph on WhatsApp. Like I can't believe I can't remember if it was me, but it might be from me. Uh, <laughs> did you know much about Swindon prior to your arrival, and what were your first impressions of the place? Uh, I did, I did know about Swindon, not not in depth, but I knew, I knew about Swindon. They were the were the boys that I played football with in London a lot. DJ, I was with him at Dulwich. Jelang, it was a Swindon last last year, the year before. Absolute baller. Yeah, I was really yeah like, DJ's the baller. Yeah, I was with DJ at I remember he, he got me to see him when I saw him on in his Instagram. That, that's, that's my first time actually hearing about Swindon. And last season I was checking because the league changing a lot. And I saw Swindon in the playoffs. We had a playoff game as well, I think a day after Swindon did so. I was watching the Swindon playoffs in the, in the hotel. I checked the game. Saidu, so what what did DJ tell you about Swindon? Can you sort of share any nuggets of wisdom that he gave you? He said I didn't speak to him about it. I haven't spoken to him about it. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him for over a year now. Yeah. 
interesting one, DJ, because he, um, when he joined the club, I mean, it was quite clear that it was a real kind of, um, it just rocket propelled his career. I mean, he was, he essentially became, everything seemed to go through him. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember Oh yeah, yeah. I, don't I think know. that was one of, the, one of the worst transfers I've ever experienced. Was Sadu? Uh, sorry, Sadu leaving. Sadu was not left. Uh, <laughs> DJ leaving on like was it like ten minutes until midnight on deadline day? Yeah. Oh, absolute gut wrencher. That and Charlie Austin leaving. Uh, like they were just. They felt like I'd just. Falling out of love with football. As soon as I saw the tweets, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, it was also it sort of six, six signaled the start of the end of a very, very dodgy era for us, didn't it? But we won't dwell on that. We, we, we we've left that well alone in the past. I'll um I'll, I'll give you the next question, Sidu, because it's coming from two people. Both Rachel and Philip Skeets has just uh, sent in exactly the same question. He's asking who's your, who's your best mate in football and who's your best mate at the club. My best mate in football. What a charming young man he is. Yeah. Every every time he leaves the ground and my daughter sees him, she's 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 busy drooling down her front. <laughs> I, I literally, it's like, I used to love meeting Swindon players as a young man. Now I'm, I'm fighting my daughters off of chasing you into the car park. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, I'm not, yeah. being, I'm, I'm not oh. being deliberately rude, Sidey. Told me, told me the lawyer and Darcy. Yeah, they're my, my Oh, Ronan, yeah. baby. Now you're talking my language. Ronan, yeah. Absolute ledge. Um, Ellis, you've got the next one. I do. Um, I believe they're both listening, but this is from um, uh, us at the Tom Broadbent Lounge. Hoops or Jonah? No, nah, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no way. <laughs> I can't answer that. I can't answer that. <laughs> they're, they're both, it's a, it's a yin and it's a yin and yang situation, Sidey. So don't worry, we'll allow you that one. We'll allow you that one. Yeah, if I answer that tomorrow, I'll, I'll get beaten by one of them. <laughs> All right, Joe, move, move, move us along, Joe. Don't, don't, don't. Let's not torture the guy. <laughs> um, so Ian's asked on WhatsApp. He says you're London based. Do yeah. you lift and share? If so, who with? And have you got any funny stories? Uh, no, nah, I've moved to Swindon. I still share cars. Sometimes I'm with London and and from Clayton. And sometimes I jump in with, with uh, Tony and Marcel and Ty and Rochelle. Who's the best person to be in your car with? Who's got the best band in a car? It would be our um, Darcy and Rush. When I was Darcy, I'm playing for me. So when I see there's no African music. So when I put an Apple beat, me and Darcy are playing <laughs> on our journey. Me and Darcy and Tony and Chase was sitting there and had no clue what's going on. Oh, I love plates. What a man. Who, who's on the Orcs? And the Orcs, it's either, of us, either me, Toby, or, or Darcy. It's never close. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got the next one for you, Saidu. Um, Scotty on Instagram says, How do you unwind? 
Oh, you do. Um, can you cook? And what is your go-to meal? And that's from Mark on Instagram. Yeah, I can. I can. I'm a big subscriber. My go-to meal would be curry goat, Jamaican style curry goat. Sounds delightful. Right? When are you going to cook for us? <laughs> when we get promoted. <laughs> 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 I'm, a, I'm a South East Londoner, mate. Curry goat is staple diet for me. So, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, giving it some it big chat. Nah, don't, 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 don't try me, mate. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll put my curry goat up against yours. That's some big chat. That's some big chat. And I'll, I'll also clean you out on my jerk chicken game as well. Do fair jerk chicken. You might, you might. But when it comes to curry goat, there's no way. Yeah, I bet you're the kind of guy that throws his curry goat into a slow cooker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, Hannah's and Sayadu curry goat. Um, curry yeah, bake off. Uh, that's Tom Broadbent Lounge ready, steady cook. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got you. Don't worry. You won't be disappointed, boy. No, I do. Yeah. That's a that's a challenge. Challenge accepted. End of the season. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll do we'll do a charity cook off. Curry goat in the Legends Lounge. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for it. Sounds good to me. Right, we got uh, Joe. You got the next one. Uh, yeah, I do. So Nikki on WhatsApp has asked, uh, "You've scored some belters in your career to date, but not in a town shirt yet. Yeah. Have you got a special celebration in the locker for your first goal?" Yeah, I do. I do, but I'm going to keep them alone. It is a surprise. Oh, it's a tease. <laughs> are we talking kind of what sort of levels are we talking here, Sidu? Because we're like, talking we, Tyree Shade. Yeah, we're talking Tyree Shade levels or Jakey Wakelin levels, and that sort of next level down. Or are we talking kind of the you know the the lower level, nice and nice and nice and understated? A reedy, I'd like to say, nice and understated. No, upper level. Oh, upper level. Not sure about Shade, but Oh. Side one penalties. Don't don't knock out any cameraman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do a Tyree Shane and go and boot Callum's bag out over the town. Then that's probably not a good stuff. <laughs> so, or, or maybe that's what he's doing if he's taking it up a level. Maybe he is. Maybe he's actually. Maybe he's going to throw Callum and his bag in at the town end. <laughs> so, Sidu, so I've got the last formal question for you, which has been submitted, and again, it's from our little collective. Is there anything yeah. you is there anything you would like to say to the fans, Sidu? 
Um, we have Mika the Punching, everything for club. I would just say just keep it up. Keep it up, please. Oh, sorry, you've gone very quiet. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, just about. Yeah, no, yeah. That's better. Yeah, no, I would say just keep on being how you are, like, as fans. Because when you're on the pitch and the fans are singing, it motivates you on a different level. Uh, recently, anyway, we've, we've, we've gone down early stages in the game. And when the fans sing, you will always find a way to come back. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's peak motivation. And have you? Do you have any questions? Do you have any? We've got asked you lots of questions, Sido. Have you got any questions uh, for us? Uh, if I do have any, I'd probably send it over by text. <laughs> hey, you're more than welcome. If there's anything you want us to put to a poll, we'll yeah. certainly do that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, if I come something, Hey, well, listen, Sidu, that literally brings us nicely round to the forty-fifth yeah. minute, um, and we've um, obviously we're running slightly, um, we're a little time poor tonight. Um, yeah. But we are very, very, very grateful that you've joined us, buddy. I hope you've enjoyed your Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge debut. Yeah, I did. I did. No, no, no. You're very welcome. All, all we would ask you is uh, one thing. We would like you to promise. Obviously, we're going to have our curry goat bake off, um, yeah. off at the end of the uh, before the end of the season. But all yeah. we would I do is please don't be a stranger, buddy. Um, open invite. You're always welcome on the show. I know you're a regular listener. Uh, yeah. You're always, always welcome. It's an absolute delight to put yeah. a voice to that fantastic smile and all the. <laughs> the all-action displays that we've been saying out on the pitch. And, and I'm sure I've, I've been for every minute sometimes I do want to say we wish you all the very, very, very best um, between now and the end of the season and beyond, obviously. Um, and just echo what I said to you before, mate. It's an incredible story listening to you talk about your father. Um, and like I said, I'm sure he'd be very proud of you in terms of what you've achieved so far. Um, and I'm sure, he, I'm sure he'd have a little chuckle on his face listening to you tonight as well with us. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome, Sido. Take good care of yourself, buddy. You too. You too. All right, pal. We'll see you very soon. Ta-da, mate. Oh, Joe Ellis Sido Khan. He does not disappoint. What a lovely man. What a lovely man indeed. Don't you just want to give him a big cuddle? I'm oh, fully yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I just... a difficult conversation to have with the girlfriend, I think, because uh, <laughs> Sido's taking her place. I literally just want to cuddle up on the sofa with him and have Jonah sit, sitting in the room singing to us. That's all I want. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be my, not, my life complete. That sounds like a perfect evening. Oh, doesn't it? Well, listen, we've got, um, so we've got a whole, whole bunch of stuff um, sort of still coming up on the show. The show is absolutely ram-packed tonight. Arguably our busiest show um, of, um, of, of our history so far, it, it, it would be fair to say. But waiting in the wings... Um, a little earlier than uh, than initially planned are the wonderful Annie Colston and Lanes Diaz Butcher, um, who are going to come on and regale us of their cup success at the weekend. How are you, ladies? Hello, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so Annie back in amongst the goals and Twinkle Tones Lanes doing bits on the wing as well. It's all going on. My goal drought is over. Yeah, well, it didn't last <laughs> that time. Not much of a drought. 
I was about to say, you can't call that a goal drought. Come on. It now. was a drought for me. I was getting a bit worried. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I'll, listen, Jake Wakeling's just got nine games without a goal. Annie, you went, what, all of what, two? Yeah, I think it was two. <laughs> How could you? Yeah. I, I was getting the stick from the players at training. Yeah, I bet you were. And that's, <laughs> you know what, you know what though? All, all good, trades, all good uh, tradesmen uh, blame their tools. And obviously... Um, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that the lady that's meant to be laying them on a plate for you has been letting you down anymore. More's to the point. You know what? I would say that too. There's only so much you can do. Don't start. Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, listen. Obviously, while the while the men have been toiling a little bit, ladies in the cup, um, you guys have been doing bits, haven't you? So um, obviously, we've um, we had the cup thumping at the county ground where you've put ten away. Um, and then more goals at the weekend. I mean, one of you, please, like, take us through it. Tell us the story of the weekend. Go on, Lanes. <laughs> um, no, we were really, really up for it, I think. Like, we really did want to get through to the Cup. Obviously, like, they were a few divisions below, but we weren't going to let that get to us. Um, it wasn't our best performance, being honest, but, you know, we got the job done, three goals, and we're literally buzzing to be in the next round. <laughs> So Frampton, so as you said, Frampton are a few divisions below you. Um, you've you've, won, you've you've kept a nice clean sheet. I say Annie back amongst the goals. Becky, uh, Becky Donnelly and Steph Bent as well. And uh, for, as a result of your toils at the weekend, and your you, you've um, you've pulled Plymouth on the twenty seventh of November. That's quite a draw for you, isn't it? It's a cracking game. Yeah, it is. They are league above, so it's going to be. A good game, I think. Um, but just talking about the weekend as well, the team that we played, they beat um, a team in our league to get through. So as well, it was we knew it was going to be a challenge and they were going to be up for the fight, which they, they did well. Um, it was hard to break through them. But we all played all right, I think. <laughs> When's the, um, this, is, this is my bad um, sort of research into the cup competition sort of guidelines stuff. But when do the WSL teams come into the competition? Is it the fourth round? Yeah, I think it is the fourth round. One more game. Well, listen, nobody nobody likes those pasty munchers down the road, so you can, like, bosh them out of the way and, um, you know, give us a nice plum draw for the county ground. We'll, we'll, take, a, we'll take a Man United or a Chelsea or an Arsenal. Um, I like don't to, know if we will. <laughs> Getting your wits against um, uh, uh, Miss Williamson um, and uh, Miss Nobbs, etc., etc., on the hallowed turf. But as, as Joe was saying, I mean, it's 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 getting kind of real now, right? I mean, Plymouth only one division sort of keeping you apart. Like you said at the weekend, the team that you dispatched from the cup dispatched the team in your league. You've got to fancy your chances against Plymouth. I think I think we do. We don't really know how they play because we obviously haven't played against them in a while. Um, I know that most of the girls haven't played against them, so we don't really know. But we're so up for it. You know, we want this. We do want to get through. So I think it'll be a good game. Well, I'm... Um, I, I, I mean, I'm literally... I mean, from my point of view, I'm thinking thinking to myself, is it one of those games where in the build-up to it, now you've got to start sort of... I don't know. We had this conversation about cup football and injuries and focusing on the league, etc. Um you're kind of stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place here because that's obviously a big game. You don't want to be picking up your injuries, but at the same time, you've got to be looking after the league situation as well because I know that's a big priority for you. 
what what do you guys do individually to sort of like just keep your focus? Do you go one game at a time, or um, you know, is it something to aim for? Does it, is it a distraction? Like, what's going through your minds at the moment? I think it's like a bit of both. Like, we had a chat on Thursday. Uh, uh, where are we on now? <laughs> Wednesday. We had a chat Tuesday um, about what we want as a team, where we want to be at the end of the season in the league, how far we want to go in the cup. Um, so I think we've got to have perspective on what where we want to go, but also just take a game at a time. And I think the FA Cup is something that we all really want to push for. So, yeah. So the FA Cup remain. I mean, it's literally what the men, what the men were saying to us last week. It's the cup, cup competitions are a priority. That you know they are still a massive lure. I guess that's kind of what I was aiming at, really. Like, does is it the same vibe in the women's game? Um, because like, surely you know, I know that you will want to get out of the division you're in at the moment. You know, with, with standards improving, investment improving, and you guys just for the sake of your own kind of careers as well, you want to get further up the leagues, right? But at the same time, you know, squads are only so big. You know, investment is only so much. You know, you've cup competitions can very quickly become an unwanted distraction, right? So it's an interesting balance. Yeah, definitely. To be fair, we have quite a big squad depth, so we're quite lucky in that thing. We have we're literally still in like every single cup we could possibly be in, so it is quite a few games. But I do that yeah, FA Cup is like one of our priorities, and we are all buzzing for it. So I think that. You know, it's, it's hard, but yeah, no, we are buzzing. And so where where are you expecting the uh, Plymouth game to be held, guys? Is there Has there been any kind of news yet in terms of, are we talking in a stadium? Are we talking about just like standard, well, I say standard home home stadia? Like, I, I, I genuinely don't know like where, what the focus will be. Has anything been shared with you yet that you can share with us? Um, we haven't actually been told anything. <laughs> um, we're not sure. We would absolutely love another catty ground game, you know, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, because I don't think the men have a game that week. So we'd, we take either, but no, we don't actually know anything. Sorry. <laughs> Oof. I did try. I did try. No what... exclusives here. <laughs> <laughs> what, <clears throat> what, um, all right, guys, well, listen, I mean, I, I, you've got, um, let me let me think. So we've got where are we now? I'm losing track of the week week myself. So Thursday today, when what's the weekend looking like for you guys? It's Wednesday got... today, Hannah's. You got me confused then. Oh yeah. I was hoping no, it trust was me. Uh, Thursday. I was like, oh, it's Friday tomorrow, sorted. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry everyone listening. You don't want my lifestyle at the moment. Ladies, what's the weekend looking like for you guys? We've got the quarterfinal, I want to say, of the County Cup against the team that we won the final against last year. So it'll be a good game. It will be a good game, and obviously they'll be wanting to get a little bit of um, they'll they'll be wanting to get a little bit of payback. Are you home or away, Lane? We we're oh, no, don't do this in front of my manager. I think we're away. <laughs> home. I don't know. <laughs> I want to say away, but don't quote me on it. And any anything's for at home, so yeah. I've, I've, I've 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 really really caused the division in the camp here. Sorry, we know we know that you're listening. Um, if you if you if you would care to tweet Keelan just to clean that up, that would be much appreciated. But um, none, nonetheless, um, we wish you all the very very best for the weekend, ladies. Um, you know, a delight to see you back on the score sheet, Annie and. Um, uh, lanes, I'm sure you had something to do with it along the lines as well. 
Um, but yeah, fi- fix up that supply line, Diaz Butcher. All right, we're all watching. We need, we need, we need some more Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge branded tweets smashing around Twitter, please. I'll try. I'll try this weekend. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for coming on, ladies. Thank you. Hey, no worries. Take good care of yourselves. We will come to you very, very soon. No doubt see you at the ground at the weekend all being well. Yep. <laughs> it's ground, but it's ground. <laughs> all right, guys. Take good care of yourselves. And you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye now. Right. Well, guys, we're um, we're expecting a... Uh, I've, I've had a slight apology, slight delay um from an ex-town captain um and you'll all anyone that understands the backstory will understand why he's not necessarily as available um as he as he could have been um in in weeks gone by so we certainly won't be holding that against him but i'll tell you who we have got listening in and i am going to try and bring the boys online we've got both hoops and jonah um so hoops jonah if you're listening in can we get a song yeah, I'll tell you what, tonight is not going to be a great night unless we've got Jonah's dulcet tones. So, <laughs> so we've got, we got the cameraman jumping on first. How are we, Hoops? Yeah, good, mate. You? Yeah, well, listen, I, I just gobsmacked how you can video Jonah sat on a kit bin singing and, singing and gesturing his little heart out. And next thing you know, best part of a million views later... You've you've got that you've brought the whole world of football to its knees. One point one million, actually. Let's get it right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Jonah, good evening to you, pal. Hi, Hannah's you right. On another love. <laughs> <You're> right. What I genuinely just stop me in my tracks today, you you oh you delightful man. You've made my wife weak at the knees over dinner watching that. Oh god. <laughs> Brilliant. But then in all seriousness, boys, the one thing that really struck me about that video was if if ever there was a video, if ever there was a town fan watching it that might have any any kind of doubts about just how close knit the dressing room is, they only need to take a look at that because it literally you pretty much see everyone who is anyone that is involved in our playing squad. And all the kind of light-hearted banter aside, by the end of it, every single one of those boys is belting it out. So it it it, it poses some very, very interesting questions, Steve, about the power of a bit of togetherness, a bit of positive thinking, a bit of mental health, and um, and guys not being afraid to um, show a slightly softer side, shall we say. Yeah, well, to be fair, like, I'm outside cleaning boots and the song was on. And Ellis Iandolo runs down the corridor going, run it back, run it back. So Jonah skips back to the start and starts singing. And then before I know it, I think, oh, I'll just kind of throw the camera on because we might get a two-second TikTok out of this. And uh, then it just all went off, like, as it was. But I think what people, like, I've been reading the comments and this, that, and the other. And what, like, people seem to get from it, and this is brilliant, they feel part of it by seeing it for a start. So that's great. But obviously, Jonah was sat in the corridor on his own at the start. And then gradually it built and it built. And then everybody's in the corridor by the end of the song. And I think initially, like, Angus has got his phone out or whatever. And by the end of it, everyone's, like, so supportive. And, like, you could see confidence in people that maybe you wouldn't see in a different environment, if you see what I mean. Yep. So I think I think you could really see that in the video, which is really good. 
like, and the, the comments kind of have said the same thing. And it, it hadn't crossed my mind until I started reading some of the comments. And I mean, it's two and a half minutes long. A two and a half minute TikTok usually gets about 20 views because people just go, I'm bored and turn it off. This one's getting people to the end and like watching it again sort of thing. It's, oh, it's, it's, right? it's going absolutely viral. Listen, I mean, I think for me, it, 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 there's so many, so many little facets to that video, Steve, about, and, and what it says about Swindon Town and where, where we are at the moment, where the squad is at the moment, where the mentality is at the moment. Um, it's a really, I know, I know it wasn't planned. Um, you and I had spoken about this earlier in the day. So it's not, I don't think it's something you, you could have planned. It's such a lovely, spontaneous thing. But it, it kind of, it, it shows a really, really interesting side to the male professional football psyche. And also, it sends out a very powerful message, I think, to our supporters about, you know, the power of actually getting behind people, a bit of positivity. And, and you you see that, don't you? Like, you know, Jonah's, Jonah, you're, you're just one of those wonderful characters, mate. You've got thick skin thicker than a rhino. So you just plough on through. It's what, what endears you to so many people. But you just see all the lads with your positivity just bouncing off you. And then the whole crescendo at the end, it's like a... It, it, I think it's it's a lesson in life for quite a few people. Anyone that might have a negative outlook on life could do well to watch the whole two and a half minutes. Oh, Jonah's got all hey. bad ball. You all right? <laughs> 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 no, it was Monday morning, wasn't it? So whatever the result is, whether you win or lose, it's always a bit quieter on Monday because everyone's a bit tired. What not? People have travelled down from wherever they are. And, uh, yeah, it's good to um, get a bit of an atmosphere going before training starts. I think it was raining outside, so um, that never helps. And, um, yeah, it's a good laugh. Always a good laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Jodie, I was just saying about, like, obviously, the, the power of a bit of positive thinking, and you are definitely one of life's great optimists. So, yeah. perspective that, that, that you give us from the stands. So, um but I was saying that, you know, I mean, you know, Steve and I have, have spoken away from you, Jonah, about how, how the dynamic between you two, you you bounce brilliantly off each other. You're very, very different personalities. Yeah. Um, but it's a real unifier. You know, I mean, it, the lovely thing is whenever we've been able to visit you in the kit room, you know, it really is like the heart and soul of the playing environment, isn't it? Like, you, yeah. you know, the kit room environment you've created. But um, like I was saying, a bit, I mean, positive thinking it's been I mean certainly at the start of the season you know the the fan base was you know there were there were a lot of detractors um and we had a, quite a few lads that that came on the show and the message at the time was look you know just stick with us like it is going to drop you know we've got good players just need you behind us you know watch what happens when everyone gets behind us and Saidu sort of seemed to sort of say that again today that you know again stick with us you you've seen after a sticky start you know a bit of positivity like what can be achieved but um I just felt that you kind of encapsulated that, mate, in two and a half minutes of singing your heart out. Yeah, well, it wasn't planned, but I'm glad that that message has got across. Because, um, yeah, it's a good set of lads. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad people have seen that because we've got a good group this year and um, something good could happen this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is... I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been around, and as, as you guys have, I've been around football long enough that you kind of get a sense... You get a feeling, don't you, amongst the squad? Like, obviously, you you know that you need to, you you know whether or not you've got a team of technicians, people that can move the ball around, find the back of the net, put the tackles in, win their headers, get the blocks in, etc. Um, technically, I don't think there's any doubt at all. We've got a squad that is certainly very much part of playing football the Swindon Town way. 
Um, and the, the improvements are there a lot, week on week on week, aren't they, boys? But what's, uh, you know, I, I think, um, I, I, don't, I don't think that there is, I, I don't think there's anyone necessarily really. I think the the, the cup the cup defeat was kind of forgotten very very quickly, as I think was the case. I thought the weekend's performance was pretty solid, um, and I, every time I sort of speak to one of the boys, like you just see you see that twinkle in their eye. They really do believe we're going places, don't they? Yeah. What's um, Steve? What's uh, what's on the agenda what? for you boys this week? Then is it a busy week? Uh, where are we at the weekend? I've lost track. We would do very well on the train track this evening, would we? Everyone's off track. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> um, just one other thing before we move away from the TikTok, and I'm sure Jonah won't mind me saying, um, anyone that knows him knows that he worries a lot about everything. He goes through his list four times before we leave for an away game. He worries if we get in a van on the way to training, have we got this, have we got that? But you could see a completely different side of Jonah and you looking at him in that video, you wouldn't think that he was a warrior because he was just so confident with everything. And I think there's there's a real message oh. there about like getting behind your mates, getting behind people and showing support to people that really like this really strong message that if people do it, people can be, you know, more than they currently are perhaps, or can be in a better place because they've got support of people around them. Jonah probably wouldn't have done that in a different environment with different people. Yeah. yeah I, I love you too, Steve. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I told you I was going to be nice to you tonight. <laughs> but you're no, a, so, you're serious a point, though, is like he probably wouldn't have done it in a different environment with a different group of people. And the support from other people around you can kind of give you that confidence and that license to go and do things that you want to do, but maybe wouldn't do because you were worried about stuff. And I just think that's like the most important message to come out of, you know, yeah, 1 million views, whatever, you know, 22,000 followers, whatever it is, but we won't, we won't talk about that. But um, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying though? Like, like if you're like with your mates and there's one that's a bit quiet or worries a bit, support them, give them some confidence, you know, and hopefully then you'll see the best of people. Well, listen, Steve, it's very timely. I mean, look, speaking on a personal level, you know, you, you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago when I, I wasn't having the, the best time in the world. And um, I'm I'm not going to be ever ashamed to talk about the fact that, you know, I have my ups and downs. I The job that I had prior to... Um, you know, bringing the Sir Tom Broadbent lounge alive exposed me to an awful lot of trauma. And, um, you know, the brain is a very, very complex thing. You know, am I the kind of guy I think most people would meet? I'd like to think, they think I'm fairly sort of level-headed, sensible, um, well, arguably. But at the same time, um, you know, people that have known me a very long time, two, three weeks ago, were, were seeing a very, very different side of my character. And I had to pull pull away from, from doing the show. And what's you know, for me, I thought that would be a permanent thing. I, I never thought I'd be sat here sort of like four or five weeks further down the line. And, 
you know, on the show a couple of weeks back, I, you know, called out a few of the guys that sort of helped me put me back in that spot. And quite a few of them are, are, are sat listening to us as we speak now, you know, yourself and Jonah, um, Elaine's and Annie, Ellis, Joe, um, Paul Caddis, Andrew Hawes, Rob Angus. I could just keep going. And I think the, it's an interesting thing, social media. And I, I'll tell you why, because the, the one thing that has really, really disappointed, uh, disappointed me about launching the Saturn Broadbent Lounge has been I really genuinely didn't believe that it was going to be the kind of entity that would attract, you know, negative people. You know, we we made a real point when we launched to saying, look, you know, we're going to just do our absolute utmost to put smiles on people's faces. And it's it it, it really taught me a lesson. And, I'll, and hats off to Charlie Austin because he pointed out quite interestingly, no matter how how good your intentions are in life, no matter how much you want to put smiles on people's faces, there are there will always be people that want to try and drag you down. And I think I, I tip my hat to you boys today because as I continue sort of like, you know, a journey of putting a, a big smile back on my face, I see that video today and I listen to your words tonight and I think, you know, you need to take immense credit because I, I think... You walk around the pitch on a Saturday, boys, and you're picking up the balls and you're throwing the cones in and, you know, you're spending a bit of time talking to fans and all the rest of it. But I don't think you necessarily un fully understand just how you represent the beating heart of our football club. And just to prove that point, we're going to bring Mr Caddis on board. How are you, Paul? How are we doing? You all right? Yeah, Paul, can you imagine a Swindon town without Hoops and Jonah making people smile? Oh, certainly not. Well, the, <laughs> the brightest pair in the world, they too. All right, Caddy. All right, Caddy. How are we doing? You all right? Yeah, good. You? Yeah, not yeah. bad, not bad. Well, hey, listen, listen, before before we continue this gushing, I mean, Paul, we, we you've got some very, very interesting, not even Hoops and Jonah know about this, but you, you've got a very, very interesting announcement, Paul, that you're going to exclusively put out through our channel, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I've been invited to the game at the weekend as a guest of the club. Uh, I will be on the pitch at half time with the League Two trophy, I believe. Yay! And as you'll probably know more than what I do with the rest of the details, but that's the gist of it. Love that. Yeah. Get. Long, long, long overdue. Our skipper finally gets to lift the trophy in front of the supporters. We are absolutely over the moon, Cads. I cannot tell you how much that's going to mean to everyone in the stadium. Well, listen, I mean, if you don't mind, Paul, like you said, there's a little bit more detail that I know on this and I'll, I'll share with you. So we, we, we teased this in about a week ago to all those listening. Um, Paul very graciously accepted the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge invite uh, to come to the county ground on Saturday. And Paul's going to be doing a takeover of our pre and post match show at the ground. Um, which also includes, obviously, Paul's going to be going on to um, going to be going onto the pitch with the trophy. Just as excitingly for us humble fans, you'll get a chance to come up and actually shake Paul's hand, have your picture taken with the trophy and the skipper in the Legends Lounge while we're broadcasting. Um, all we would ask that you do is dig deep, please, people. There are going to be lots of buckets going around, and Paul's going to be um, uh, sharing the links to his GoFundMe page because, obviously, everything that we're doing at the moment is all about <laughs> driving revenue into Paul's fundraiser into Type 1 Diabetes Research. Um, Paul very graciously um, uh, took us through. I mean, he stopped us in our tracks on the show last week where Paul talked, talked us through the journey he's been going on with his 10-year-old daughter, Summer. Um and we are absolutely hell-bent to help Paul not just um, reach his total of 
of five thousand. We want Paul to think in a few months' time, look back on that and say that was a representation of what a wonderfully humble man he is. Uh, we want to smash that total out of the park. So it's going to be a huge, huge Saturday, Hoops and Jonah. Our chuffed you two hearing that the skipper's going to be back and lifting the trophy in front of the fans. I can't believe he didn't tell me when I was speaking to him the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, I've just literally found out not long ago, mate. You know what no, I told you. Play, no, it's going to be brilliant, isn't it? Well, but the only downer is, boys, I saw the trophy in the trophy cabinet the other day and it's certainly bereft of Brasso. So who's going to look after that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's not been looked after in there, is it? Yeah, come on, Joe. Get the Brasso out. Clayton. <laughs> You, you can't doesn't let, know what Brasso is. You, you can't let the skipper <laughs> lift that up. It looks like no one's been in the trophy cabinet for about six months. Jonah, you could polish it with your black bit polish. Yeah, I, I don't know what Brasso is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If, if Steve was able to look at him. <laughs> Poor old Steve. <laughs> Steve, he's so angling to get you to polish it, isn't he? He's so clear. Oh, but, okay, hey, someone needs to do it, don't they? Cads, we, we promise you by Saturday that trophy is going to be gleaming and it'll have some red and white ribbon, ribbon on it for you as well. Because um, with all due respect, mate, we need a better picture of you with that trophy than the uh, the one that you got at the end of the sort of, you know, the COVID halted season. Yeah, that wasn't a great that. That was, that was one thing that took, I took away for that season because the 2012 season, we managed to have the party on the pitch and with all the supporters and it was an unbelievable day that we'll never forget. But to have that, very subdued celebration was was completely opposite end of the scale of what was uh, back in 2012. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was interesting, Paul, wasn't it? Because it's quite funny. If there was a, from a football point of view, and Hoops and Jonah, you'll probably have a view on this as well, but um, from a football point of view, the silver lining of COVID was it really actually did underline for the entire football industry just how important the fans are. At a time where people were always sort of debating, well, hang on a minute, are fans actually important anymore? You know, you, I, I've, I've sat in football-based um, think tanks and heard people having that debate. And I think COVID kind of took that debate and probably flushed it down the toilet, didn't it? Football fans are critical. Oh, definitely. Listen, Jonah and Steve were there when I when I finished my career, essentially, at the, the COVID year. Uh, and I was one that struggled massively with it. Personally, I, I absolutely hated it. I felt as if when you walked out of the pitch, it was like just a big sponge that just drained every single bit of energy you had. I, Listen, obviously, with the supporters, I like to to wind away supporters up. I like to try and just play on the edge all the time, but you just didn't have that at all. Uh, the camaraderie you could have before training, it just wasn't there. The build-up to games wasn't there. It was just... And I think that's why you've seen so many youngsters uh, do really well in COVID. Uh, like the likes of Smithy we had, who was very, very good, but these guys were used of playing in front of under-23s crowds with all due respect, 10, 15, 20 people. You don't get massive crowds at these places. So they were used to that, whereas the older ones you tend to find struggled. And I was one of them. I struggled massively. I've always admitted that I struggled with COVID. Uh, just with umpteen different things, but one of them being no supporters, no atmosphere on the ground. Driving up to, tra- uh, driving up to a game was like, just a normal day going to going to the county ground. There was no, as I said, there was no atmosphere. There was, listen, we're professional footballers. Of course, we're getting ourselves up for it. But without the fans, it was a massive impact for me. And unfortunately, it was the end of my career. 
and I still blame COVID to this day for ending my career because I just lost a bit of, bit of love for the game. I just just got fed up playing in front of no one, no atmospheres. I played for 15, 16, 17 years in front of in front of crowds, especially when we're doing so well at Swindon, played in front of great crowds. Uh, other clubs had been it, and it just wasn't there. It was it was rubbish. I'll be honest, I absolutely hated it. It's the worst year in my full career. Well, Paul, you obviously we, there's an interesting twist, isn't there, in terms of the opposition on Saturday that we were talking about earlier. So, um, do you want yeah. to? Yeah, so obviously it's it's crew on Saturday, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is which is interesting. But listen, I I know we can't we can't see into the future. I mean, who knows what would happen that year? But I am convinced that we would have went on and won the league comfortably, and I mean comfortably by. Six, seven, eight, nine points. I am genuinely, and I know football's funny, and I know you can't, you can't predict what's exactly going to happen. But we, we were just, we were just stomping teams that got to the stage where we're turning up to the county ground. I know we lost the last one before COVID, but we're turning up to, the, especially the county ground, and going right. Come on, let's go. Next one, beat them. Next one. And it was literally like that. Just taking each game as a at a time, ticking them off. I remember that month of. January, I think we had Exeter, Crew, and Plymouth all in the same month. We beat Crew at home, did we? We beat. Did we draw with Exeter? I can't remember, but then we went obviously and beat Plymouth. So that was a huge month for us that year. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember if it didn't get stopped, I genuinely, hand on heart, would have thought we'd have, we'd have comfortable won it. And I think if a lot of the other so called rivals were honest enough, they would have said we're well, the best team in the league. Mm. And, and who. You'd echo that, surely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we were just turning up at games and battering teams, weren't we? Like, yeah. And we had such a good squad. You know, even, like, if, if you change two or three, four players, it was still as strong, even with the lads coming off the bench. Like, it was so strong. And it, there was so much experience and everyone knew their roles. It was just, you know, you'd go on the pitch. In some games, you'd be thinking, how many are we going to win by today? You know, mm. I, mean, I remember crawling away in oh, the rain. Wow! And we just, even in the warm up, you were just like a normal Swindon team. There's probably, or the previous Swindon team that we'd been working with, we'd have probably thought this isn't our day because we're just not going to turn up. It was smashing down with rain, and then we went and smashed them. You know, mm. and that was that group. You know, all together that that game for me summed up what that group was all about. And, and J- Jonah, what was your highlight of that season, apart from the obvious? Are there any particular standout memories from your perspective? Um, yeah, obviously the Oxford game, um, where we won. It would have been that one if there was fans. Oh, no, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, no, my highlight of that season, sorry, I'm on the wrong season. Are you all right there, Jonah? <laughs> Is it okay? It's because it's it's I had COVID in my head still. Um <laughs> Now, my highlight of that season was Plymouth away on New Year's Day. Um, uh, me and Steve didn't have anywhere to sit. Remember that? Um, and obviously the away, <laughs> the away um, change rooms in that corner by the away end. And uh, we just said to the steward, oh, do you mind if we just sneak in the away end? And uh, obviously we went 1-0 down and we're thinking, oh, here we go. And then DJ scored. And then uh, I think it was about the 70th and 80th minute. Doyle obviously scored in front of the uh, away end and it erupted and me and Steve were right in the mix of it. So, yeah, that that was obviously 
my highlight. Um, Exeter at home as well when Doyle and Yates come back. And um, Jonah, also, also, when, also when Caddy come back. Oh, cheers, Jonah. I think we're going to forget to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you guys about the, the, the pace of Jerry Yates off the bench when we've got the winner against Plymouth. It, that was some ground covered, wasn't it? Yeah. I turned around and he was stood next to me. I couldn't believe what was going on. Uh, that was class, that was. I've got another story <laughs> well about that, yeah. Um, I remember me and Steve were in the van on the way to training and um, Noel Hunt rang. And, oh, uh, yeah, I was just about this, to say this. This, this, was about, <laughs> this was about, we usually get to the training van ground about quarter past eight and I reckon we were about five, ten minutes away at the time. And uh, Noel Hunt rings and he goes, uh, lads, have you got any spare kit um, for today's training? And we're like, yeah, we've got some spare bits in the van. And we're like, oh, why, why is that? He said, oh, we've got a lad, we got a player in today. Um, you might know him. And we're like, oh, go on, ta- go on. You might as well say. And he goes, Paul, uh, Paul Caddis, do you know Do you know Paul Caddis? And <laughs> me and Steve just looked at each other in the van, just like, oh, <laughs> Our jaws just dropped. We we're like, "What?" <laughs> Paul, Paul Caddis is coming back, and then we turn up there and like had to quickly get his kit ready. And he, he walks in. I think I, I think he was with Doyler at the time, and then he sat in the change room. And, yeah, that was that was a good moment. That was Cads. How weird <laughs> must that have been for you, Cads, coming coming back? But like with a like, obviously you've got all the memories of the Decanio era. You you clearly you know you know. <laughs> I mean, you'll be aware of some of the personalities, but there's there's a lot of change at the club. But yet the infrastructure or the, the, the physical structure of the club there. How weird was it for you when you first came back? Yeah, it was. There was obviously a lot of new faces. It had been, what, 10 years had passed. Uh, you still had the likes of like Jill upstairs was still there. Chris Abrook was still there. Uh, a few others, a few familiar faces. But no, there wasn't even Jonah's dad. Mark had gone. There was, there was no one really left that, on a, on a first-team level. So it was weird, but it was nice that I knew a couple of lads. I'd played against a few of them. I was close with, with Doyler. It was it was actually down to Doyler I ended up going back because he uh, mentioned me to Richie Wellens and I got chatting to Richie Wellens and the rest is history, so to speak. But I remember that first couple of weeks where I knew like the, the, there wasn't a contract there to start with. Uh, nothing to do with... Like, Richie Wellens pulled me after the first day of training and said... We need to get you sorted, but right now we can't. We had to move. We're trying to move on the Tyler, the fullback. Mind me his name, lads. Tyler, Tyler Reed. Tyler Reed. Yeah, they're trying to move on Reedy. Uh, so that we had to wait on that. But I ended up signing, and listen, I know a lot of people talk about footballers and money and that, but I ended up signing, and it cost me for the first six months to get to Swindon. I signed a deal that was three, four hundred quid a week or something like that. Uh, that's but Richie Wellens was. I trusted him and he always just said, like, come in, that's literally all we can do right now. It gets you back in playing and we'll uh, we'll get you sorted as soon as, as soon as we possibly can and and to his word he, he he looked after me. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. You know, we, we talked about obviously the importance of, of the fans, Paul, because obviously those spaces won't have changed. Quite a few of them will have grown up. Did you did you have any funny fan encounters where you sort of you, you remembered people from sort of right? No, listen, everyone remembers the, the same supporter, I think, Phil. <laughs> Phil the football. Football Phil. Football Phil, aye. Uh, but I didn't see him for a while, and the other one that he used to, he used to always be with, was it Les? Is that what he's called? Yeah, that's probably. Yeah, Les, I think the two of them used to always be together. But I had, uh, I had, especially the first 
first three, four weeks, I had quite a lot of like, I'm going to say kids, but they were like 18, 19, 20 year olds that would come up and say, oh, this is me and you from, fat Jonah, you shouldn't have picture me and Jonah from like, <laughs> yeah, ten... the wall in the kit room, yeah, <laughs> from like 10 years ago and it was just, the Southampton just... game in the League Cup 2012, the one that were Leon, yeah, that one, the one that, <laughs> Decanio and Leon Clark yeah. were like ice and fury. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was just nice to see like people coming coming back up and still still supporting the club 10, 11 years later. Did it feel like home straight away, Cads, when you walked in the door? Uh, I'm not going to lie, it did. It genuinely, genuinely did. Uh, the first couple of days, I didn't get back to the county ground. We were training at, the, at Beavers and I'd never been there before. So uh, the first couple of days, not really, but then when I walked in, nothing, not much had changed. Uh, seen all the the stuff up on the wall and my my picture on the wall and stuff like that. It was just it just felt real. It just felt normal again. It just felt like this is where I need to be. But I knew I had to just keep working hard and keep keep plugging away, keep uh, training every day. And I was doing a lot of miles, just just trying to stay fit. And and uh, thankfully, Richie Wellens produced for me. Well, I mean, honestly, Cad, I am, I am, and I'm sure I speak for everyone that's listening in tonight. And certainly, when the message gets out to the broader audience, I'm absolutely thrilled you've accepted the invite to come back on Saturday. I think it, it, it I know there's there's other things that you and I are working on in the background as well, which are, um, are going to tick quite a lot of people's boxes and get a lot of people excited. But to get the skipper back on Saturday with the trophy in front of a big crowd, but crucially, as well. The away, it all seems like the stars are aligning. You know, the team that are going to be on the, the away team on Saturday are obviously the team that we picked for the pit for the title. It just, it's, it just feels like it's all come together. And again, you know, for a great cause, um, raising fantastic amounts of money for type one diabetes. How is, how is Summer Paul? And um, yeah, you- yeah, she's all right. She's, uh, she's getting there. She's, she's a little trooper. Listen, it's just one of these things that you know, you know what happens when, when you get some bad news or a, or a hiccup on the road that another one comes and there was a family bereavement at the weekend so it's just one of those things that it's like waiting for a bus in it as they say the three come along and we've just had a, another little bit of bad news at the weekend but she's alright she's uh, a little bit emotional at the moment we're losing the, uh, it was my partner's grand so she's she's fine She's uh, we've literally just got back, back home now she'll be Get ready to go to school tomorrow, and and uh, she's she's a little, a little trooper. She'll be absolutely fine. Do you think we might see her at the weekend, Paul? Do you think what? Sorry. Do you think we'll see her at the weekend? Uh, possibly. I've I've spoke to her. She is quite excited, but she's quite sceptical at the moment. Just a bit. Our emotions are, are, are somewhere else at the moment, which is understandable. So, listen, yeah. the, the the ball will be in her court. If she wants to come, then it'd be brilliant to to bring her. If not, then then obviously I'll be I'll be there myself. You, you don't need me to tell you, mate. Everyone that has any kind of red and white affiliation with our football clubs, just just make sure she knows we're sending all sending her all her love and best wishes. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, we just had a um a quick text from um from Paul Hatch. Paul makes a really good point actually, and I'll be interested in getting all you you know um, hoops, Jonah, Paul. You've all you'll all have an opinion on this. Paul says talking of Crawley. I hope Dion Conroy gets a good reception from the town fans when he returns. Um, him being the captain of that promo season, I'm sure you guys would echo that. Yeah, definitely. He missed a lot, obviously, through injury, but he, uh, I didn't see much of him when I first came because he was he was badly injured. He, he had a really bad injury, but 
he he had a huge part to play. He had a huge part to play. He was a very good player. He still is a very good player if he can try and shake off the injuries that he gets. But listen, I think he deserves as much respect as everybody else. Mm. Yeah, and he and interestingly, obviously, I think um, it's important that the fans remember he was one of the faithful five that all hung around um, that dress summer uh, when with the club very nearly went to the wall. And, and Steve and Jonah, you were, you and I have you guys and I have had numerous conversations about just how close we came to that. And obviously, Paul, you'll you'll remember the kind of the, the run into that particular moment. It was all pretty desperate, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Desperate time calls for desperate measures, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was scary at the time. It was uh, worrying, and obviously, I'd still spoke to the lads, Steve and Jonah, and and Mildred and the like. So I knew, without actually being there, how how bad it actually got. So credit to those those lads for for sticking in there, and, and obviously with Steve and Jonah and keeping the keeping the morale high, morale high and the, the spirits high, which they always do. To be fair. Steve, I know, again, I mean, there's probably stuff that you can and can't say in this respect, but, I mean, it was an interesting one, Dion. I thought he got a real raw deal from 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 sections of the Swindon crowd, and I'll, I'll sort of give you my perspective on it. I mean, as, as Cads alludes to there, he kind of fought his way back from a couple of really, really serious injuries, the sort of injuries that have, have taken people's careers. Um, and I, I genuinely felt that part of his hanging around in that summer um, was about kind of repaying the club's faith that they had put in him. Um, season got off to a flyer and then he had a bit of a dip in form. But he was very open about talking about the fact that that's also coincided with the fact that he was playing an awful lot of football and, he, and it was probably for the first time in his career and also off the back of those serious injuries. Um, and, and, it's, and, they, and he actually physically found that very hard. Um, how, how did he... I mean, how, I'm, I'm guessing everyone behind the scenes rallied, rallied around behind Dion when he was getting pelters from certain sections. Well, of course. I mean, we're all together. You try not to listen to it, to be honest. Like, you know, you just you just come in, you get on where you work every day. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's how the lads are and that's how, how he was, to be honest. Like, I don't think he ever let it really get to him. Mm-hmm. And Jonah, what was your relationship like with Dion? Yeah, my relationship with Dion was really good. Actually, yeah, we had a good laugh. Um, and obviously, he was there for he was there the day that um, me and Steve both joined. So, yeah. uh, obviously, we knew him for quite a long time. Yeah, so your paths, your paths, kind of pretty much ran in tandem. I mean, yeah. What what would you guys sort of say to any town fan that was contemplating giving him? I mean, we we can be quite brutal to returning players. Um, what what would what would your message be? Um, anything in particular? Oh. Anyone that's contemplating giving him a rough ride? What's, what's the need? What's the point? What's it going to achieve? Like you know, he always worked his hardest. You know, he was a very good player. You know, and had he steered clear of injuries, then right now I think he'd be playing at a much higher level than he is. Yeah, and he obviously he had a, two or three really serious injuries while he was at Swindon. Um, which is hard to take. There's a lot of times where he's just in the gym on his own. Um, so to come back two or three times um, and actually be successful with the club um, is really good, actually. I think, I mean, I'll tell you what, from from my fans' perspective, what I'd like to see is this. I'd like to see, I'd like to see him get a, a warm round of applause when he first comes out. Um, I'd like to see him get absolute pelters for 90 minutes. But then I'd like <laughs> Then, I, then I'd like to see him get clapped off the pitch at the end of the game, yeah. uh, and I think you know he, uh, like I said, I'm very, very surprised 
the sections of the fan base turned on Dion as quickly as they did. But I think also um, that there were other things that were, you know, that were, were out of his control. I think the style of play at a certain point where he's formed it, um, a lot of that kind of probably sat in the manager's lap or other people's laps. And But Dion seemed to sort of be the focus of everyone's attention because obviously he's out on the pitch. Would you say that's fair? I think I think maybe people were looking for an outlet. And when the style of play doesn't fit Dion's style of play, then he was an easy target, potentially. Mm. Um, but, you know, he always did his best every single day. He's a great lad. Like, you know, he was our captain or club captain when we won the league. And anyone that was involved in that group and in that team should just be respected. There should be no negatives towards him, as far as I'm concerned, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the point, Cads, isn't it? You know, this is like literally one of your teammates when when we lifted the pot. And obviously, you're, um, you, you've said to me yourself and you've said on this show that in, in your final season at the club, where obviously we, we, we played some of the worst football, let's be frank, that, you know, I think Swindon fans have ever seen and, and our record that year in the league kind of bears that out. Um, you know, but, but you will get heroes welcome on Saturday. I mean, that's really the kind of reception that sort of, you know, that you would hope that Dion would get. I appreciate, you know, you know you've know you now retired, Paul, so he'll be coming back as an opposition player. So uh, there's always going to be a bit of a balance there. Yeah. But was, I think... he's, he, he lifted the pot, right? He was he was captain that season. Yeah, of course, and that's got to be respected. But I think what you're, like, is the point you made about getting battered for 90 minutes, I think that almost shows a sign of respect in a, in a different way that, that a fan might look at it. But, it's that bit of, listen, you only ever want to hammer and slaughter and shout at people that you think are half decent. Let's be honest, we don't. The ones that are rubbish, you just you tend just to, to leave. But the ones that will come and score two against you or make an unbelievable save, or you, fans will just tend to get on the better players. So if uh, if he comes and he gets booed for, for 90 minutes or hammered for 90 minutes, but as you said, before and after, as long as that respect's still there, then I, then I think you'll be absolutely fine with so, all right, well, listen, Paul, ahead of the weekend, mate, is there anything in particular you'd like the town fans to hear from you in the in the run into the weekend? Is there anything particularly on Saturday you'd like to see? No, I'm just, uh, listen, I can never, ever thank the fans or the club or anything like that enough. I've, every time I've went, I just feel as if, listen, I know it's cheesy to say, but it's like home for me. I've, I've spent a long time at the club. I've, I've won two titles there. I've... It's not always been pretty. I've I've uh, been relegated twice. I have chance to leave and stayed. I've I've left. I've come back. It's I've I've literally had everything that you could possibly have in a full career at one football club. So that's something that I will always live with. Uh, as I said, listen in football, the hardest thing you can do is win. No question about it. Is win. There's a lot of people out there that have had much better careers than me. Had much more ability than myself. But they've never won anything, and I've won two, two. I've been promoted three times, and twice was league winners at worth uh, Swindon. So, listen, it's a club that's very close to my heart. It's very close to my family. Believe it or not, my my oldest summer that we're we're talking about Ella is actually named off after a a girl when my partner at the time had worked at a nursery and really liked to name summer. It's just silly things like that will always bring us back to to. Swindon when my partner uh, fell pregnant with Summer we, we lived in Swindon we went for all the scans in Swindon 
So it's more than just football for me with, with Swindon and, and the people of Swindon and the town of Swindon. Well, Paul, thank, I'm, I'm sure Summer's over the moon that she's named after a, a lovely feminine figure in your you know in, in your life as opposed to being called uh, Fratello, um, which probably, if I lived in Swindon, what I'd probably call my child. <laughs> Mine would probably be like Greg's or something, because I was never out of Greg's. <laughs> but listen, I mean, certainly from, from my point of view... Um, and I'm sure Hoops and Jonah, you'll definitely echo this. And I know Joe and LSU will. I think if there was ever a reason on Saturday to want to absolutely pack out the county ground, it's the opportunity to um, come and tip your hat to, obviously, our double league winning tipper um, on Saturday. Um, and the way that we envisage it working on, on Saturday, Paul, is, um, and you'll, you know this already, so saying this really for the listening crowd, um, uh, get into your uh, uh, bright and early. Get, get to the county ground bright and early. The legends let are open at 12 o'clock. Um, Paul's going to be with us um, hosting the show in the Legends Lounge in our usual spot, um, which just so happens to be across from a brand new bar, ladies and gentlemen, that they have opened in the Legends Lounge. So you'll be able to get your drinks in nice and early. Um, gather around. Um, we don't mind an audience as we're chatting. There'll be lots of participation. And we're doing what's called a pint in a pub with Paul, where basically it's going to essentially be like a mobile Q&A around the Legends Lounge. Paul's going to have the trophy with him. Um, lots of opportunity to have your photo taken, lots of opportunity to drop your loose change or your flutter, or flutter your notes into our rattling buckets, all of which is then going to return north with Paul to go be contributed to his GoFundMe page in Summer's good name. Um, and then, um, then obviously the game's going to kick off at half-time. Stay in, stay in your seats as best you can or get, get your drinks nice and early because Paul's going to then do a nice slow lap of the county ground pitch um, loads of opportunities to get your, your get some quality snaps rather than those awful COVID ones that we had um, of Paul lifting the trophy and enjoying himself um, and maybe giving the crew fans a little cheeky wink at the same time and a nice little wave goodbye. Um, so and then obviously final whistle. Um, we are essentially going to handcuff Paul, get him back in the Legends Lounge with us. Plenty more photos and questions after the game uh, before we all go our merry way thereafter. Paul and I are continuing to work on a really, really interesting plan. We hope to have some news to share with you before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, keep them peeled. We've got lots going on, Paul, have we not? Yeah, we have. We have. And, I'm, again, I'm completely appreciative of, of yourself, Hannah, as with, with everyone connected to the, the TSTBL podcast, everything that comes with it, the, the supporters, the club, the support I've had from, obviously, Jonah and Steve inside the club as well. And, I'm just eternally grateful. My family's grateful, and, and I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Well, mate, you will go and win a couple of pots. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, like when we say legends, you know, we do like to repay those legends from time to time, mate. It, it's not just it's not just words. So, yeah, listen, legends defined by by supporters. I, I would never call myself that, but I, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, Dad, you are you are more than welcome to hang around. Equally, we know you've got loads and loads. of play- if you do have to bow on us at any time, we've got that. Um, we've got your old mate um, who's down in Brisbane at the moment coming on shortly. He's not joined us yet, um, but um, he the, the magnitude of what you're dealing with, uh, we spoke about. And I'm no, I know you and you and you and Charlie did as well, um, uh, sort of off air as it was. Um, I think when we started the show last. Week, the magnitude of what you've been doing hadn't quite struck him, um, and you know, again, he just sort of whilst he can't be with you, uh, climbing peaks and whatnot. Um, he just wanted to make sure that, um, that that you're aware you've got all of his best wishes as well. Um, 
All being well. Oh, and speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. How are we, Charlie? Oh, I don't think he's ready. You know what he'll be doing? He'll be scuttling past his kid's bedroom at the moment, trying not to wake them all up. How are you? <laughs> no, I did. Do you know what I did? I didn't press the mic on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't press the mic on. I'm all right. How are we? All right? Yeah, you don't get that on TalkSport, Charlie, do you? No. We'll just get doggy Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, Charlie, we've um, just, just for your... Uh, I'm sure you've kept an eye on Twitter. We've... Um, <laughs> We've got a lovely, lovely event happening on uh, Saturday. You'll remember the COVID season and how desperate that was for all of you guys that were playing over here at the time. Um, on Saturday, um, CADS has accepted the invitation to come to the county ground and finally do a proper lap of honour with his League 2 trophy, which should be quite a nice, nice moment for him. I'm surprised you ain't got that League 2 trophy at home, CADS, on the mantelpiece. I did have, but do you want to take it back off me? Oh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, there's nothing. You can't say nothing bad about Jonah today. After I see his video the other day, unbelievable. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. It I think that it. just. Do you know what, Kaz? I think that just gives like an insight into not just Swindon, because it's great, but a lot of football clubs that the kit men. How many there is? They are like the heart and soul of a football club, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Always, always, always them. the backroom staff that people don't see. Yeah, and it's just them little things. I don't know that they just. I don't know, they bond well with the players, don't they? And it just sometimes you could be having a bad day as a player and them kind of people get the their backroom staff and all that doing the silly things get you through it, don't they? So Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. And listen, obviously we're fortunate enough to be able to say that, but yeah, it's the guys that are the are the heroes behind it behind the scenes. Mm. Hey, the well, listen, tell, it's yeah. not Cheers guys. It's it's not just the players, lads. You know, <laughs> I I spoke um hopefully for you, Steve. About um, 20 or so minutes ago, you know, very open. Charlie, you're very well aware, and Paul, you are as well. You know, I had a, I had a bit of a wobble five, six weeks back. And, um, you know, having the opportunity to sit in the in the articles with Stephen Jonah and get a few things off my chest and work a few things through. Um, if you had told me, um, you know, sort of five, six years ago, I would have found a time in my life where I needed to sit and have a couple of people like Stephen Jonah come into my life and um, give me some perspective on things. I would have told you that you are you're talking absolute nonsense, and um, so yeah. I, listen, my, I, like I said, my my experience of the kit men is very very different to you guys. You know, you've been in the locker room with them, but to a, you're talking about two very remarkable human beings there. And I know you both be blushing, Stephen Jonah, but you know to be able to kind of you know reach out to people and put a smile in places where there aren't smiles. All credit to you, lads. Cheers, Hannes. Yeah, you're both blushing, but Charlie, listen. <laughs> You've um you've had a week off, mate, but um you've had a birthday to contend with. So in, true, no. in, in true Chazetta Football Australia style, what's been going on um, down under, buddy? I went to Australia Zoo. Went to Steve Irwin Zoo on Saturday for the little man. That was quite good, as you can imagine. Um, and then just your normal stuff. He went to school and that, so he just see all his mates come home and then just. It was nice weather. It's been warm over here. It's like 32, 33 at the moment. So um, we just really just jumped around at the pool. And that was about it, mate. You, you're looking forward to the World Cup, Charlie. Obviously, it's <sighs> disruption right down there. Because obviously, you'll, you'll be aware of what's happening up here. Um, what yeah. uh, You've got a big pause, or pause going on down there, haven't you? Yeah, like the eight, there's eight players, I think, that got called up. So the, the league stopped and Australia have obviously qualified. So um, so there's a pause. You don't actually play it now until the 9th of December. So it's just literally just ticking over now. Uh, yeah, there's little bits. To be fair, I've got, 
I've got the new technology of how to watch English TV where I am. <laughs> <laughs> you needed that, mate. You've been struggling down there, haven't you? Yeah, mate. So I've just I can chuck the telly on and and watch that, but obviously because I'm so far in front, um, it's tough to catch up with the stuff. But the England game over here is like eleven o'clock at night, and then the next two are five in the morning. So I'm sure I watch them, but I don't know. Listen, it, it's a bit, it's a strange one, I think, for everybody that the Winter World Cup. No one's really, I don't know. No one's really got got going into it well I certainly I certainly haven't I don't really know what it's like at home looking from the outside in it doesn't look like it's gone it's gone as mad as what it normally does so it doesn't feel like there's a World Cup like next week at all yeah that's what, that's what I think that feels like that all over the world unless you're actually in Qatar it's not felt like that in Scotland since 1998 <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Oh, Cads, you're the best, man. I think, I mean, hey, hey, listen, the interesting thing, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Charlie, I'm sure you listen to all the podcasts, probably I listen to um, all the football cup podcasts, and everyone's saying the same thing. I think this World Cup is just coming with so much baggage. Um, you know, six and a half thousand deaths that have been linked to, obviously, the, the building of the infrastructure and, and the tournament down there is is the headline. And obviously, the counter argument for that has been put back by the Qataris. Um, but nonetheless, people are continuing to debate that. And then obviously, you've got the treatment of the LGBT community um, and some of the some of, you, you know, you some of the comments that have been attributed to, um, you know, to uh, to senior figures as well within the establishment about, you know, I mean, even David Beckham, I think, came out and said, um, I think it was Beckham. Um, there was somebody that came out and said about it's, uh, you know, we have to respect Qatari culture. And then obviously LGBT um, uh, spokespeople have come out and said, well, hold on a minute. Um, you know, I am not you know, I am not culture. I can't help the way I'm born. And I think some of, I think the, the general kind of gist that I'm getting around the World Cup, which is sort of, I don't know, just kind of making people feel almost guilty for enjoying the football is that, you know, listen, at the end of the day, just got to keep asking these questions. You know, if the World Cup is going to go to far-flung places and we're trying to open up the world with football, then it's only right and proper that we ask the places it's going to to kind of challenge their thinking as well, right? Yeah, this, I just... That's what's going on. Everybody has their views. Everyone has their opinions. Um, and it's listen, it's well out there what's going on with Qatar and, and what's been going on for the over the last I don't know, not few years, for the last years on years on years of what's been going on there. So listen, I think the closer it's got to it, everybody knew these there was like these things going on, but wasn't really thinking that the World Cup was all right. The World Cup's like ten years away. The World Cup's eight years away. Now it's upon us. Nothing's really changed. Mm. So now it's here. I think it's. I think it will be one a World Cup that is. It'll be embraced, but it won't be enjoyed as much by everyone like it normally is. And I think the quicker that it gets, this sounds mental about World Cup, but the quicker that it comes and goes, I think it can just be. It tried to be forgotten about. Listen, we have. They have to just never be in this situation again. Yeah, so it's think- all right coming out now saying uh, it should have never went to Qatar. It's a bit late now, isn't it? 20, 2022, when the World Cup's about to kick off and everyone's yeah. took a backhander. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the Athletic I was, I was listening to this morning and um, there was a very, very interesting debate. Um, there was a member of uh, a journalist who's also a member, member of the LGBT community. Uh, another journalist might have been someone like a Dan Rowan. And they were, they were just making the point that, 
you know, to you know, I think what they're almost hoping for is like you know when you have a world when you had the World Cup in Russia, you know, when we had the Olympic the Olympics in Beijing, that you know a few sort of you know superhuman performances or amazing eye catching performances, and then everyone would just tune into the football and everything else would be forgotten. But I don't think that's necessarily like the the goal of a World Cup, is it? I mean, like we said, you would like to think the goal is about you know, bringing the world to a, you know, like asking the whole world to come to a place. And there's a mutual exchange of views that, you know, a bit like the Olympics in London. If you if you take my meaning in 2012, if you went to East London, um, say 10 years before the work that, you know, before the Olympics, it was an absolute hole. Um, you go you go over to the Olympic Village now, that area has completely changed. And there's in, there's prosperity, there's a lot more employment, you know, the whole environment has come up. So mm. I'd like to think, you know, there's, you know the the so I'm wishful thinking. I, I hope the same sort of thing is enjoyed in Qatar. Mm, not sure, buddy. No, me neither. Well, ever ever the optimist, Charlie. Ever the optimist. What's uh, um... I mean, I, I normally am, but realist also, bud. Yeah, I'll get you. <laughs> the thing is, it's just become a bit of a pantomime, isn't it? I think you know you've seen the reports of sort of fake fans being out there, and it's it just it's all a bit of a circus. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I, I saw a collection. Listen, I'm not casting aspersions here, but I saw I saw some footage last night of um, you know alleged football fans gathering. I think they were saying they were England fans that were gathering, and um, you know they. Yeah, it, it didn't look like the kind of sort of behaviours that we all see. There were no chairs being thrown. No, no, one's, not, no one's throwing no. chairs. There's no Kansas Stella in sight. There's no fireworks up passes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going there with it, boys. All I guess I'm trying to say is, you know, we've, we've all been going to football long enough that you know what an England fan looks like, you know, you know how our fans behave. And I, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The word pantomime is an interesting one you're raising there, Joe. I think it's going to be interesting to see over the next two, three days following the news, the kind of crowds that they've got there and the way that they're all behaving. Um, I, I, hope, I hope that they, they loosen the belt a little bit and just let people, you know, just, just do their thing. Because I've got to be honest, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to go to the World Cup in 2010. Um, you know, one of my favourite um, memories was drinking a rather large German beer in the middle of a square, playing head tennis with a Brazilian fan. Um, and those are the things that, you know, make World Cups really special. I mean, there was a real melding of cultures. You know, half-cut England fan playing head tennis with a you know, a fantastically tan Brazilian, very talented footballer. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, obviously under current Qatari rules, you're not going to be seeing that, are you? Well, the stadium is not going to be half empty, though. Well, apparently, but, apparently, not, Steve. apparently, all the but team- who's going there? No, there be there. Are loads of people, as in the Qataris and um, stuff like that, will be there. there be obviously, the home people. There, they've got like people, people from FIFA, ten thousand. Like employees from Adidas, probably in every game. Well, here's here's a statistic I heard today, guys. How many infrastructure workers do you, do you think there are in Qatar? Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't even hazard a guess, mate. There are three hundred thousand infrastructure workers in Qatar that are, that are immigrant workers that have come from outside to, to not build the World Cup infrastructure, but to develop the structure in Qatar. So you consider what's the, the current sort of um, the current population of Swindon, what, 280,000 people are we? Something like that. So you've got literally imagine the entire population of Swindon, everyone you go out to, you know, those of you that live in SM1, you go out, glance around, look around, every face you see, just imagine that scale. That's the amount of migrant work they've brought into Qatar. 
um, to help build up and develop the country. A staggering figure when I heard that. I'm sure quite a few of those, I guess my point is quite a few of those are going to make their way into the stadium, Joe. I, um, yeah. I, I saw a video as well earlier of um, the where all the fans will be staying and it's literally just like essentially tents. <laughs> it, yeah, it you'd be doesn't. Bottle open, wouldn't you? Yeah, it doesn't look very, uh, very safe. Like, but yeah. so, so Charlie, Charlie, you're not going to be, you're not going to be taking advantage of the break and getting yourself out. No, 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 no. I'm just going to literally. We got three weeks. We was off last week. I'll just watch it at home, mate. Don't really. I know. I'm, I think I'm a bit like I'm, I'll watch this one from afar. I think like, like a lot of people around the world. Mm. But, Listen, it'd be amazing to go to World Cup, of course it would, but I think this one, I'll watch from afar, mate. Charlie, look, final question for me. Going back to now forced on you, what, yeah. what, what, how, how do you go about, I mean, it must be really frustrating because you've just got yourself like match fit, you're scoring goals, you know, you're kind of like, you know, the old Charlie, and now you've got this breaking forced on you. Um, how much of a kind of pain in the ass, I mean, whilst it's nice in some respects, you're a nice break, but must be a bit of a pain as well. Yeah, like you just you get going like five games into you find you finding your feet again, like do you know what I mean? You scored a couple of goals, you want to keep continuing, like it's annoying really. But it's one of them like it's not a lot you can do about it, I guess. But we're only five games in, you rather just get going. I think it's tough for the players because as the as cads will know and the boys you can only train so much without losing your head. Like you could go train every day and it's just like a pre season unfortunately all over again. Don't need that. So when the games start, it kind of takes care of itself. So Oh, me just try and I don't know, just tick over, mate, and just enjoy. I guess enjoy the sun or whatever it is, and just think about other stuff than football, which is which is obviously hard at the moment. And the missus has gone home for a couple of weeks, so just me and the kids. So I'm on daddy daycare for the moment. I hope I see my little shut But uh, actually, Charlie, one more question for you because we're we're about to go into an interesting debate. Are you are, are you club club or country? Oh. Yeah, but what's the question? Like, if you're saying, if you're saying Liverpool to reach top four, or England to win the World Cup, like England win the World Cup. <laughs> now, I think England win. If you ask me, Liverpool to win the league or England to win the World Cup, I think I'm taking England to win the World Cup. What about Swindon to get promoted from League Two or England to win the World Cup? Nah, you got to be patient for that, mate. <laughs> you got to be patient. You never know, buddy. You never know. I told you this. You never know. <laughs> Right, that's enough. Right, I'll see you later. Thank see you later, you. boys. Take care. Catch see you later, mate. See you later. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Yeah. So, coming in, Cads, your heads on the chopping block now. Club or, cl- club or country? Oh, I've not got much to go on, Hannah. I've, I've just told you I've not been to a World Cup since 1998, so I'm going to go club. <laughs> and, and how uh, helpful could a Scotsman in that position, Hannah? Well, oh. yeah, listen, they're, they're Celtic brothers are going to be playing at the World Cup this year. I'm sure Cads, in all seriousness, Cads, would you be rooting for Wales or England? Uh... Honestly, I've got no interest. I watch it, but from afar, with no real interest in anything. I'll be honest. Do I want England to win it? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got you. <laughs> not in a bad way, but just, just that old. Not even. I don't even dislike England. I've stayed here for twelve years. My kids go to English schools. It's just it's more the media handles, to be honest. And I think that's why England won't struggle to win anything because they. They go to every tournament with extreme pressure. Yeah. Extreme pressure compared to any other country in the world. The pressure they get, the 
the abuse, the just everything. Like they just get targeted I, by their own, by their own as well. Hey, listen, Cads. I'll tell you. I'll tell you two two games that I was at um, where we we were on the receiving end of a of well, I say humping. Uh, I was in the stadium when um, when we got beaten in Germany. Um, I was in um, Gelsenkirchen when we got beaten by Portugal. Um, when uh, where Carragher basically larraps home his penalty, but then is told to retake it. Um, and you could just see the pressure just completely crippled him. But what? And, and then I was at um, I was in Bloemfontein when we got gubbed by the Germans. But I'll tell you the interesting thing about both those games: what they both had in, in um, uh, you know, the similarity between the two. They both had in common were the stadium was I would argue probably ninety percent England fans on both of those stadiums, and that was both a blessing and a curse. Because you could just see like the weight of expectation that just was just crushing those England players. And the the Bloemfontein game, we were sat amongst quite a lot of the players' families, and you were picking up on little snippets from their families, and the, and the pressure was tangible. So I think, um, yeah, I make you right. It's 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 pressure from the media, like unrelenting pressure. I mean, I heard something today about they were talking about Gareth Southgate and. Um, they were saying that the England manager is just expected to comment on all kinds of social issues, you know, and obviously we're closer to home with Swindon, you know, Glenn Hoddle obviously came a cropper in that respect. Um, you know, the levels of scrutiny on the England manager is unbelievable. So the media have that agenda, but then I think the, the fans as well, we're almost killing our team with kindness, if you know what I mean. Yeah, listen, this is, we're talking about players that play at the, the best level, the most pressurised level in world football, but just when they, they come together with the national team, just something doesn't click. And, and I genuinely think it's down to the, the pressure from the media, it's the scrutiny they get, the the headlines. It's It could be something simple like Marcus Rashford was seen having a Mars bar the night before a World Cup game and it's like made out to be this worst crime ever. It's just, it's just everything's scrutinised. Every single little minute thing is made out to be huge. Social media these days, uh, the amount of different publishers you get, the amount of different news outlets you get, it's just, it's it, it goes worldwide. Something that happens in, in England will always go worldwide, but listen, that's the pressures that they're dealing with. And if I'm honest, I think, I just don't think, though, no. I think that's the biggest downfall for, for England in, in major tournaments. I know Cads doesn't want this, but obviously we've all been speaking about the Qatar World Cup being a bit, sort of standoffish people not being as involved with it or wanting to be involved with it. It's come halfway through a season where players have been playing against each other and, you know, caught up in title races or relegation battles and stuff already. This could be like the prime opportunity for England to go out there without much pressure. Obviously there is pressure there, but I feel like if you've got a training camp of three or four weeks before a World Cup in the summer, players will see that hype on social media. They'll they'll feel the the hype in doing press conferences like twice a week. Like they haven't got that. It's straight into the World Cup, isn't it? So, I mean, it might be a bit different this season in terms of pressure. No, you might be right. Yeah, you might be the the fact that, as you say, they don't have three, four, five weeks build up. It's literally just straight into it. Uh, Matt Sharpness should still be there as well. Uh, as you said, they're playing against players that are that are fighting each other for for league titles. Uh, but no, listen, you you might have a point, but only time will tell, I suppose. Mm. What's um? I mean, Cads, it's interesting because you know you talk about you you lay it in. We were talking about the various layers of pressure. I mean, give us a give us a an ex pros sort of perspective because you 
all the way through your career, I remember there were like very spoof Paul Caddis um, accounts that popped up on Twitter and everyone was just assuming that that was you, but it clearly wasn't. And then you, you came out yourself and when, when Caddis Elite Coaching became a thing, you, you very quickly said, yeah, this actually really is me. But you, you left that right till the end of your career. Was that deliberate? Yeah, I was I was never interested in social media, to be honest. was uh, I always just thought it was a recipe for disaster. I can understand the good, but there's always a lot. Listen, we spoke about it earlier with Dion Conroy. Most of Dion Conroy's came from social media. Most of, which is probably a touchy subject here, but Taylor Curran's came from social media. Mm. So you just, I just think you leave yourself out there for criticism that's not needed. Uh, and listen, no human being in the world will be able to take it and take it and take it and take it. You, everyone's got a cracking point. Everyone's got a cracking point. So it's just trying to find that balance of reading something and letting it go straight out. And I'll be honest, I, I, I'm all for it. Listen, I take criticism. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it. I've, Jonah and Steve will tell you, I've always been open, always been honest, criticise myself when I've had to. But no, just social media was never a big thing for me. I'll be honest, I'm still no great on it now. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing, but I'm getting there. Well, Paul, we've got to send me that video, Gads. Ah, no, there you go. That tells you everything, mate. I don't know how to send the video. But, Cads, if you if you remember, if you reversed right away back to the start of your career, it would have been the equivalent of, let's say, I don't know, um, I don't know, think of someone that was, like, you know, slightly older than you at Celtic. Imagine, like, a Pierre Van Hoydonk, like, redu- like, releasing an autobiography, like, early in his career and and, le- and opening the, the Celtic dressing room to scrutiny. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? So that is- it is, eh? Yeah, as I used to always the way I used to look at it was I was thinking it's almost like someone having your mobile number. Somebody's got a direct line to you. So, and I was always like I quite like to keep myself to myself. Uh, I didn't like stuff like that being open to stuff that might happen in the changing room and it gets out. I was a huge believer in. Listen, I grew up in a dressing room with unbelievable pros and so many things happened. Fights broke out. Things were said. Things were smashed. People were punched. Managers were grapple matches and it was always what happens in dressing room will always stay in the dressing room and I think that's sort of kind of swayed now you see we spoke a couple of minutes ago about England what, the amount of things that get out now like there's a camera in the dressing room when uh, Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo I'm sure everybody's seen it the handshake it gets scrutinised but at the end of the, why should a camera be in the dressing room that was that's my point on it and I just think that's a place of work like you wouldn't I know people aren't interested in well due respect like like my dad works and does groundworks they're not going to go and put a camera in a building site I know that I underst- fully understand that people are not interested in what those guys do but I just think there's got to be a safe space there's got to be a private space and, and for me it was always addressing them but well, you've got Ronaldo see- live on TV as we speak bumping his gums about how his teammates don't care about his input and his experience and how they're going nowhere with their careers like, it's just... And that's for yeah. a player that's at the top of, top exactly. of the world in terms of football. Exactly. Do, do it in the dressing room. Do it. Listen, it, listen, I don't know what Ronaldo's like, but he maybe has done it in the dressing room, but I just... I always... I was always one for protecting. I always felt I'd protect the dressing room. I was I was obviously captain at Swindon when I was, when I was young. Uh, came through at Celtic, as I said, and that's something that I lived with my full career. I was captain at Birmingham for a few seasons and, and I always believed in a strong dressing room what happened in the dressing room stayed in the dressing room because I think that's where you build trust I think that's where you build friendships 
It's where you build winning mentalities, winning dressing rooms. And I think it's the same for managers as well. What happens, what managers say in, in their office always stays in their office or should always stay in their office. I'm not one for, and I know fans want open interviews after games and managers will try and protect their players. And I'm, I'm all for that. I think you should protect your players. But what fans might not see is what he said in the dressing room might be the complete opposite. What it's like, a manager could come in and absolutely slaughtered me for say the second goal, but would come out and maybe say, "But that goal shouldn't have, shouldn't have stood because it was a foul at the back post or whatever." So to protect your players in public, I think is a huge, a huge uh, attribute for a manager. And it's something that players will always respect. Mm. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a tricky one, Steve, isn't it? Because obviously you're. Um, I'm not going to ask you to be training confidences here, mate, but obviously you operate right at the beating heart of a football club. But yet you've you also, as as a couple of kit men, have discovered kind of unlikely sort of <laughs> clamour um, on your on your social um, channels as well. So you, I guess you get you get to see it both sides, don't you? I mean, like we're talking about you know Jonah singing earlier today. You know, some might look at that and go, well, "Hang on, isn't that a sort of special moment between you guys and the players?" But there was we we just we've discussed this, haven't we? Opened it up. It's a much bigger story with much more sort of you know worthwhile, shareable sort of connotations to it. But uh, yeah, social media to you, Steve. I guess it's it's, a, it's an interesting balance, isn't it? Because you'll see a lot of things in and around and and hear things in the kit room environment that you know if you put those on the socials, like they're viral, aren't they? For sure. I mean. Things like Jonah singing is one thing, but I mean the things that the the important things, the football related things, the you know the things, all the stuff Cads is talking about there, it never goes any further than where it should go. Do you know what I mean? It trusts um, because trusts, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. But we, you know, we always, you know, even if let's say for example we're filming something, a player walks in the background. We'll always make sure that that player's happy for it to go, you know. Like it will never be like, a, oh, we'll just put stuff out and people won't know. Is do you know what I mean? Mm. So I mean, we're quite selective with what goes on there and what doesn't. You know, it might look organic and that we just grab this and we grab that and we just film this and chuck it out. But no, I mean, prime example of that is the other day I spent most of the day on a game day just looking around what we do, how we do it. Um, and I was going to edit it all together and put it out. And it ended up not going out. It ended up, I just deleted it all and it was gone. Because at that moment, it wasn't appropriate to do it. So it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm completely with cads on all of that. Mm. You know, what happens in that sacred area stays in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So to what extent, Steve, were you really surprised when obviously you guys started doing your life of a kit man stuff and, seeing the levels of traction that you achieved. I mean, yeah, I know I know both you and Jonah are really, really just sort of, you know, straightforward lads. Do you know what I mean? You're um, yeah. you're just like literally sort of the earth type fellas. So, you know, and you haven't, I, I've never come across you, you two never come across like having a clamour to want to be, quote, famous or football famous, call it what you will. But yet, here you are showing people like these little kind of very sincere snippets and, and it's just mushroom, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean... It's just that video the other day. We, Do you know what? We looked at it and we went, this is way too long. This will get no views. Because anything on TikTok over 20 seconds, no one's got the, the I don't know, the staying power to watch it. They watch 10, 15 seconds, they flick to the next video, don't they? That's how the platform works. 
So the fact that that long video went so mad was a bit crazy. Maybe um, that's what we... one million of the people have done, though, Steve. Watched the first 10 seconds and then flicked it. Well, no. <laughs> I've had a look <laughs> at the joke. analytics today, and that is not the case. <laughs> people are watching right to the end and then commenting. Some people watching it multiple times. So it's weird. It's a strange one. But no, we just, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? We just chuck things out. I cleaned some boots yesterday and I filmed it because someone asked, How do we clean boots? Crazy question. How do you think we clean boots? But, you know, I clean the boots and I put the video out there. Why not? It's just cleaning some boots, isn't it? But people want to see it. People can see stuff like that. It's not a problem. Yeah, but mate, it's listen. It's it's those it's those real insights, isn't it? It's those real. I think when we started the Tom Broadbent now, it's like right the way back in the day. I think the the thing that really kind of put us on people's um, on people's maps was when we did the awards uh, show with you guys, and you know we were able to kind of take the vibe behind the scenes and 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 show the lads in their kind of natural environment because obviously we all see them, don't we, with a kit on? Um, you will see them out on the pitch doing their thing. You know, every time we do interviews, it's quite funny. People seem to sort of, I don't know, like sometimes we, we get criticised because we're not Jeremy Paxman, you know, or we're not Henry Winter. But it's like, well, actually, that's not our vibe. Like, this is very kind of conversational stuff. And it's just like, literally, what we try and do is say, right, like with Saidu tonight, if we were down the pub with Saidu, what kind of chat would we have with him? You know, or, you know, we've got, we've got a, you know, retired sort of club legend in Cads with us. Mm-hmm. What sort of chat would we want to have with him? Um, you know, very, very rarely do you would you expect to sort of want to sit there and I mean there are other there are other outlets doing the Henry Winter bit. That's not our that is not our job. But um yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting, wonderful world of social media that we operate in. And I'd like to think we kind of sit on the on the positive side of the social media output. But as Steve, you will testify, given our conversation that we had in the articles a few weeks back. Um, yeah, I've been on the receiving end of the negative side of social media. It's not a nice place to be in, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. There is a lot of positive to it, but yeah, there's obviously the negative side as well. And, and Steve, um, you see, you will see that. I mean, Paul talked about obviously Taylor Curran um, and that being a touchy subject. And we talked about Dion Conroy as well. I know, I know, because you and I have spoken about it. You know, you've told me about conversations where you've literally had to pick players up off the floor after they've been mauled on social media. Um, you know, do, do you want to kind of like show that you don't have to mention names, but do you want to give us a window on what that looks like? Um, I think. It's changed a bit, hasn't it? So, like, now a game will finish. Within 15 minutes, everyone's on their phones in the changing room. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, that would not have been the case. You know, it wouldn't have been there. So, it's like almost instant feedback, isn't it? Whether that's positive or negative, you know. And, it, you know, like, you say to people, don't read it, but you're going to read it. And there could be 7,000 positive comments. But the one negative one will stick with you. You know, so sometimes like people, it's you know, you overthink it. It's it's like one person's opinion at the end of the day, and everyone's going to have different opinions. You know, but yeah, social media kind of it opens that avenue to people being able to say it directly to you, which you know, it's it's a difficult place to be, really, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's quite telling as well, isn't it? Like players of a certain age professionals across all sort of standards of football if you keep it in-house at Swindon you've got boys like Gladys and Frenchie who are obviously at the 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 other end of their career um sort of compared to most they're very quiet on socials they're they're um 
they might be big on Instagram maybe once, twice a week, but they're not on Twitter. They're not doing their thing. Whereas you've got some 18, 19, 20-year-old lads that are, as Hoop said, sort of 10 minutes after a game, it's a, a three points tweet or a, you know, sorry for the fans for the for the loss or whatever. It's just, it's a different, it's a different generation, isn't it? Exactly that. You know, and when you've got that mix, it, it can be a difficult place. But, you know, it, that's what we're all there for. Yeah. You know, if, if someone does have a problem, they all know, as you've seen, you know, from the video, everyone's together and everybody knows, you know, who you can, who, who should be trusted and who you can talk to and, you know, and that's what we're all there for. We're all there to support them. And, yeah, I'm the kit man. George is, you know, the sports science guy but we're also there as people for people to talk to and to bounce off so yeah i mean there's there is support mechanisms there for the lads when these things happen so yeah that's you know especially in a smaller club like ours where there's maybe nine or ten members of staff around the first team instead of your 20 or 30 that you'd get at bigger clubs like you you've got to take on that role of being there to support the lads you know yeah, you've Mate, all got... you mentioned it as well there, like in terms of morale and, and you know togetherness of the of the squad and, and staff in and around the first team. I think the thing that I took away from that video was just like it just encapsulates the the happiness and friendship of of the group. Yeah. It was just perfect, you know. I think anyone doubting, you know, you see people tweeting, you know, Lindsay out or you know the squad's not good enough or whatever. I think the big thing in football is is morale around a squad, and I, you can't doubt it. That was a two minute video of just pure happiness and togetherness. Great, yeah, yeah, percent. I mean, listen, Cads, this would be an interesting one for you. I mean, obviously, but especially being the skipper as well. You know, you've again, we won't won't ask you to mention names here. I can imagine over over the period of your career, you must have sat next to sort of like you know players the same age as you and younger, um, who were going down that social media rabbit hole, and you probably saw them struggling at times. I mean, I'm assuming on that basis, but that must have been given what your attitudes towards social media. That must have been infuriating to watch that. But a bit like me talking to my kids and offering them advice. I'm going to kind of take the assumption that you probably dished out a fair bit of advice, but saw very little of it being taken, particularly with the younger generation. Would that be true? Yeah, listen, I'll name names. It doesn't bother me. Like, I, I remember Noel Hunt came to me just recently. Uh, sorry, the my last spell at the club and said, listen, what's been going on with Taylor Curran? Explained the situation. Uh, and they had spoke to Taylor Curran and they had said that... So basically they asked him, what, like, who, who would you want to help you in a situation like that? And he... And he picked me. He mentioned me, so Hunty asked if I could speak to him. So just we went and sat in the dressing room for half an hour, just the two of us. Uh, I don't think many people know this actually. I don't know if Stephen Jonah do, but just sat down with him and just asked him what was going on, what was being said, why why is he biting back, why is this being said, why is that being said, and I, the only answer I ever had was, well, why are you still on it? Why why are you still putting yourself out there? Oh, but I enjoy looking at this and I enjoy looking at that, and I'm like. Clearly, look at the bigger picture. You're suffering for it because you're starting to believe everything that people are saying. And listen, what people are saying was probably right. I'm not going to lie, but uh, he started believing it. His confidence was going. He was, it was, it was hurting him like personally away from football. And the easy answer for me was, well, come off it. It's no big deal. Come off it. It's the only person at a football club 
opinion that matters is the main man, it's the manager. Whether the assistant manager likes you, a first team coach likes you. Listen, we all want to be loved, we all want to be get on with people. Whether the kit men like you, whether your teammates like you, it's down to the manager. If the manager likes you, that is the only opinion at a football club that matters. And that is the, the bare bones of it. That is the truth of it. He's a man that picks the team. If you impress him and he likes you, then you've got a chance of being successful in football. If he doesn't like you and you're a bit of a pain in the backside, then that's down to the manager to, to sort that out, to, to, to get you out of the club, to get you away from the dressing room if you're a bad egg. It's the only opinion that, that does matter is the manager of the football club. Yes, it's great being getting all these positive things, but as Steve nailed it there. It's, you'll get three, four hundred positive comments and then there'll be one comment of, oh, he was crap today. And that's the one that'll stick with you all the time. All the time. There's 200, the other 299 said, oh, he's brilliant today, defended well, great clearance, great tackle. But it's the one that'll say, yeah, but maybe... 15 seconds before their goal, could he have done this? And that's the one that'll stick with you. Yeah, it's Paul, I'll tell you what, it, as, as a, it, that's interesting as well because I had exactly the same conversation about four weeks ago uh, with Vic Morgan, um, who obviously you'll be well aware yeah. of. So, you know, you know, you, Mr. Swindon Town. And he and I were talking about um, the same thing, you know, being hammered with, um, you know, negativity. Um, on social media and Vic said exactly the same thing he said his experience over his career exactly the same thing he said you know hundreds and hundreds of positive comments brilliant interview Vic really enjoyed this really enjoyed that but he said the there is like one unnecessarily negative comment he said will completely completely derail you um, and, and and spear you and I think that was really interesting for me to hear at the time because obviously Vic's um, you know, my my background um, coming up through media was always on the commercial side. So interestingly enough, I had a you know skin as thick as a rhino's husk. But when it comes to the actual sort of provision of content, a different kettle of fish for me to actually be effectively my own editor, putting content out there and then having people come in and critique it, but but not offer anything of value, but just essentially just to hammer it. Um, and it was just interesting hearing Vic say exactly the same things for coping with that as you did with, with obviously, with, with Taylor there. But again, the frustrating thing for, for you, Paul, must have been, like you said, when he turned around at you and said, yeah, but I understand that could prolong my career, but I quite like watching this video or that video. or, or yeah, That must have been mind-blowing for you. Yeah, it was frustrating for me because, listen, I, I still believe the age I was at, I was the, the beginning of the end. I was the beginning of the end of the old school football. And I, I listen, John and Steve are probably best to tell you because obviously I worked with them for a long time. And I was so old school. I turned up, I trained, and I went home. That was me. Like, I, and by the way, I trained properly. I never, never ever missed a session. Uh, I was so old school with social media. Wasn't interested in it. Wasn't interested in... How much if I got a seven or an eight out of ten in the local paper was was never interested in opinions. I was thick skinned, uh, but again, I think that's down to the environment that you, you grew up in. I grew up in an environment at Celtic where no matter what you done, I was speaking to someone the other day actually in a podcast about pressures of football and what it was like at Celtic, and and I grew up at Celtic, and if we won two 0 at home against Kilmarnock, you come off the pitch and be a couple of grumbles in the in the stand because you're expected to win four and five now against these teams and, and it's difficult and that's the pressure that I was brought up with so I was never interested in 
and all the outside noise, and that's what I think annoys me the most about modern football. It's Steve. Steve I'm going back to what Steve said there again about listen. You get in the dressing. The, the final whistle blows at quarter to five. The I guarantee ninety percent of footballers across the EFL will be on their phone for five to five. Ten minutes. The man's will come in and speak for a couple of minutes, and then go bang. They're straight on the phone. I used to hate it. I used to say to players like, "Put your phone away. You're going outside and get. You're going to get showered. You're going to be outside in 15, 20 minutes max. What do you really need to do right now in those twenty minutes between getting showered and going out of your car? Just, I just find it disrespectful. I find it annoying. Uh, I just, I just feel as if it's, it's. It's a distraction that's that's not really needed. Uh, there's a time and a place, and I don't think that's majority of the time. That's the time or the place. Uh, but I'm all for like the positivity stuff, like with, with Jonah singing and stuff. Like that. That's brilliant because it's, that's not a that's a human thing. That's not that's not like a football secret or foot, what what should what happens in the changing room, stage in the changing room, etc. But that's just a, a human thing. That's a, a video with two guys having a good laugh with, with mates that's fine it was when it kind of crosses that line where people start digging other people out and oh I heard he said this and then it just you end up just crossing lines that don't need to be crossed I'll tell you what's interesting Paul there's a couple of things there one is that I think any anyone that's sitting here with kids will say what you've just described is basically most of the dinner tables if you've got teenagers most of the dinner tables around the UK now where, you know, I, I, I literally repeat that script to mine, right? Dinner table is not a time for your phones. Put them away. Because the question I was going to ask you, Paul, is like, do you think do you think it's gone too far? And Steve, I'll take a view on you now. So I have a view from you guys as well. But, it, you know, if a manager was to say, hey, one of the rules, you know, is that all mobile phones go in, a, you know, go in your locker, switch them off, whatever, until you leave the ground. Do you think that's enforceable, or do you think that with the current generation of footballers, that would do more harm than good? No, I don't. I don't think you can enforce that. Like a manager can put those rules in, and, and it might sound disrespectful, but the manager, especially on a match day, is in the dressing room for fifteen minutes before kick off, ten minutes at half time, and then ten minutes max after a game. So, enough if you think about it, if you you arrive at the stadium at half one max, and you leave at half five. So, in those four hours. A manager's probably in the first team dressing room with all the players maximum half an hour in those four hours. That's all you'll see a manager in a match day in a dressing room. You'll see them on the side of the pitch, but before beforehand, if they're not named the team, they'll name the team, they'll go through tactic stuff, they'll leave, let you get on with it, you'll go out, you'll do your warm-up, you'll come back in 10-3, he'll come back in at 5-3, to three, give you his final instructions, bang, you're on the pitch. Half-time, most managers will go away on their own for five minutes with their backroom staff, gather their thoughts, they'll come in, as everyone knows, you'll get 15 minutes, so they'll speak for seven, eight minutes max, points of what they want to do the second half, what they need to improve on, they'll go again, and then we'll go out the pitch, you'll come back, back in after the game, they'll give you a debrief for five, ten minutes max, sometimes it can go on if there's a horrendous result, 15 minutes, and that's all you'll see a manager, so trying to implement, I think it's got to come from a captain, me personally, I think it's got to come from a captain, because when the manager's not in the dressing room, I believe it's the captain's dressing room, and I think that they've got to enforce it along with senior players and and uh, and stuff like that. So I think it's got to come down to the dressing room. I've played under a lot of really good managers that would always say, "I will never make any rules." That is your dressing room. 
you will run the dressing room, and I think that's the way it should be. And I, unfortunately, I don't think that's the way it is now. Oh, yeah, it's sad. for me, for me, like I think it's a society thing as well. Mm. Obviously, you think ten, fifteen years ago, there wasn't the social media, so there was no need. To, there was no reason, not need, but no reason to be on your phone because your phone sent a text message and did a phone call and maybe had a game of snake on it. You know, I think now, obviously, because society's changed so much that even your captains probably want to be on their phones. Mm. So you might end up in a situation where, you know, you get your captains enforcing rules that they don't really want, if you like, to keep yeah. the status quo. But I, I believe, you know what, I'd agree with you. I mean, I've been on a training course this week with a guy that... Um, uh, it was all about um, attachment disorders, um, children with attachment disorders. And the guy that was giving the speech was a um, a chap that was in prison with Mandela. Um, and he he was talking about a study that he'd just seen about the erosion of social skills. I don't want to get too deep and meaningful about it, but he was saying, I guarantee you, because he was talking about the mobile phone being a, being a significant problem, particularly for, for young children that have got attachment disorders. Because, you know, for example, if they don't have, you know, a mum in their life, what you can tend to find is that they they develop uh, the same level of attachment with their mobile phone screen, which actually becomes like a source of information for them. And then as a consequence, so it's all about, you know, people sort of like just defaulting to their mobile phones. And he was saying he'd just seen a really interesting study that um, he was saying that some enormous portion of the world, it was like a quarter of the world or something like this, um, has developed a lot of the of the Western world that is has developed a, a an unhealthy screen dependency or like a toxic screen dependency, um, and and that people had lost have lost basic basic um, social skills. And I'll give you an example that I was going to just sort of throw in the mix. I mean, I I, I was very lucky to have limited contact with Gordon Greer. Um, I'd imagine that the dressing room under Gordy was very, very different to what the the kind of dressing room leadership is now because of that that shifting in the social space, the shifting in the social sphere, how people behave and interact with each other, Steve. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, just, I, just you imagine, it all up. I could just imagine Gordy standing there going, now stick your phone away. And like, if you say no, next thing you know, you're being pinned against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and when Gordy finished with you, Dougie's having a bit as well, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I think I agree with you, Steve. I think it's a reflection of society. Um, but I do think, I mean, you know, you would like to think as a football fan that, you know, that there would be the want or the need for those players in, in that space afterwards to be sharing each other's company, sharing information, building those bonds. It's very, very difficult when someone's staring at a screen, just like when you encourage your kids to put your mobile phone away at the dinner table, you know? Yeah. Sure. Interestingly, at Fleetwood now, the under-18s, we, the boys don't have their phones. The, t- the phones get taken off them at nine o'clock in the morning and they'll get it back whenever they leave, when all the jobs and stuff like that's done. And it's not a punishment, it's never a punishment. It's to encourage just what you touched on there, uh, camaraderie, it's inter- uh, to encourage a tight-knit dressing room. It's to encourage people just to have social skills and talk to each other. It's to encourage communication, because that's another thing that's gone out of Football as in on the pitch, communication's gone out. You don't have leaders anymore. You just don't see these these sort of types of characters anymore. So uh, when Scott Brown come in, it was it was one of the things that he was he was big on. Uh, encourage people to communicate with, with each other. Communicate with your teammates. Get to know your teammates. You can't do it when 
15 of the 18 lads are in the dressing room and they're, they're on their phone and they're on Instagram and they're on whatever it may be, Twitter. So I think it's quite healthy that that, that, that can happen, like that, that that decision's been made. And we have noticed a difference in the last four, five, six months. It's a, it's a really interesting debate, that, Paul. I mean, you 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 know, you'll know that I, I foster kids. So I've, you know, multiple sort of kids come and go from our family. And we've got a few people that young people with us long term as well and my um my eldest bless her when she first came to us she had a um not only a screen dependency she literally she will admit to you now she's 22 now but she will admit to you that um as part of her attachment issues there was like an addiction to blackberry messenger as it yeah. was um and she um but it was a really really presence in her life and when she came to us one of the first things we said was right when you go to bed at night you don't take your phone with you you plug kitchen oh i'm not kidding you blue murders trying to get trying to get her to break that bond and leave her phone alone for a period of time but at 22 years of age now she literally sort of puts her arms around me and my missus and says you know what of of, of a lot of the lessons that we taught her in life like that was absolutely critical um you know getting her just to break that bond put that phone away like not and and stop using blackberry messenger but it literally was like you know people say about having a little devil on your shoulder so it literally was she could not she she got nothing but misery from it but she could not put it away and i guess that's what i'm when i'm reflecting on on football i'm i'm delighted to hear you say that paul about fleetwood because i think it's quite a simple thing you're doing there but anyone that's got any kind of interaction with with young people like it's that's real life lesson stuff but it's so easy to just not do that stuff i'm guessing yeah it's listen it's really difficult as well now because i'm preaching all this about online stuff and that but my kids homework's on an ipad mm. do you know what i mean so it's, it is a society thing like i'll say to my kids like have you got homework this week yeah i'm just going to go on to like all these websites that they've got and i'm like no that's not your homework and but but it is their homework's actually online now it's on a blog that you then click into and it takes you to a website that you go and do all these different types of homeworks and it's like one minute i'm trying to preach by the way I, my kids go on ipads non-stop and it does annoy me but it's difficult because it is society, and I totally agree with that. It is society, but if you can make a small adjustment just to encourage people to actually communicate, no one communicates anymore through our. We're blessed with a voice, we just don't use it. We'd rather use our thumbs and, and, and text and all the rest of it. And listen, we're all guilty of it, but it's just just like a life skill. Just communicate with each other. Talk That's why Twitter other. spaces are so good. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're all talking to each other. Yeah, exactly. And don't, don't no one's typing. They don't tell everyone. They'll all be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to shoot in a minute. Um, well, but club, clubby been... country. Yeah. Stupid question. I'm not even going to answer it because that's ridiculous. Well, what do, what do you can't leave us hanging like that. Well, what do you think it is? You well, answer it for me, Hannes. Well, it's club all day long. Well, there you go. Yeah, of course it is. Swindon get out of this league, or England win the World Cup. I'll wait another thirty-seven years for England to win the World Cup. It's fine. I've just got to a stage with England where I just sort of think to myself, "Do you know what? It's never, it's never going to happen." But I've, I've taken, I've, I've been to, to quote the great Martin Luther King. I've been to the mountaintop. You know, I've seen what's on the other side. It's a beautiful sight, and I, I just, I just want a bit more of that. I've, I've not seen what's on the other side with England. To be totally That's frank, why can't we imagine a world where Swindon win the league and also England win the World Cup? Oh, oh, that's even better. Mate, there you go. Mate, I mean, that, I'm just mate, resolving the question and the argument for you. This could be the year. 
Exactly. Can you imagine what a good year that would be? Oh, wouldn't it be beautiful? Oh, but no, I... right. All right, then, Steve. Well, listen, mate, thanks ever so much for coming on and cracking stuff again with a video. No um, problem. <laughs> we're uh, we look forward to we look forward to seeing you on uh, on Saturday. I'll be um, uh, pitch side with um, with Caddy. I'll be. Uh, well, post- we'll try uh, and sneak out at half time and come and see you with the trophy walking around a pitch, guts. Just Steve. A moment. That's prime TikTok photo. That is. Sorry, I, 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 I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Get that on your TikTok, Steve. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a go. All right, mate. Great. Coming Jonah, on. are you alive? Steve. Is Jonah still there? Oh yeah, no, he he's, he's pushing the league two trophy. I think, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I think he has. I think he's left his phone on the side and gone off to polish the trophy for you. He's just had his other half throw a can of Brasso at him and say, "That's what Brasso is." And get to it. <laughs> cool. But listen, mate, we'll um, we'll see you on Saturday, Steve. Take care of yourself again. No problem. And and King Cads yourself, mate. We won't we won't keep you any longer. Thank you ever so much for yeah, coming. No problem. You're Good um, uh, to me. genuinely. I am frothing for the weekend, buddy. I cannot wait to see you out on that pitch in a in a, with, in a stadium full of fans, um, d- soaking up your righteous acclaim. And um, like I said, I just want to make sure that everyone's aware. Obviously, the reason why you're, you're down at the ground is just to just to echo what we said earlier: um, raising funds, raising awareness for type one uh, diabetes in your lovely daughter Summer's uh, good name. All being well, if we can, if we can. Um, um, you know, give give uh, Summer enough sort of courage plucked up and enough goodwill plucked up to to make the journey. But um, fingers crossed, we'll see her on Saturday. But if not, we'll uh, we'll certainly create a hell of a noise in her name. Yeah, definitely. Listen, I'm looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. It's always always a, a great great time when I come back and and it's a place that listen. If I live closer, I'd be there every week. But unfortunately, logistically, it just isn't, isn't possible. Hey, well, well, thanks very, again. Cheers, very guys. Saturday, mate. We'll take care. And Don't we'll- mind. Thank you. Cheers, Cats. Thank you everyone. See you. Right, Cheers, Paul. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're certainly racking the names up, boys, aren't we? Um, <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> I, every now and again, I do have to pinch myself a little bit uh, doing this show. When I think back to myself, it, it's so funny. So some of the stuff that we touched on, like some of the some of the comments that I've been receiving over the last few months, it's things like, things that really do your head in. So, for example, we created an environment where people like Sai do, um, you know, Jake's just joined us. Good evening, Jakey Wakelin. Um, you know, Tom Clayton was on. We've had Wardy on. Obviously, Sutton's number one now. But all these boys come on. We just created an environment that's kind of a bit upbeat, a bit safe. We're not going to throw people under a bus. You know, just, just like you would, you know, you want to kind of try and create environments where people want to come back, you know, and they want to keep talking to you. And then by virtue, your audience want to hear from you. 100%. Like, you, you... Break. I mean, Ellis, you'll, you'll know because you've seen some of the texts where – you know, I've been contacted by people and like so accusatory, you know, oh, you're you're on the payroll. Like, you know, <laughs> Clem's paying you to do that. All because we had the good fortune of starting up a Twitter space, A, because I retired and I had the spare time and B, because it coincided with the build up to a game against Manchester City. But suddenly in people's minds. People like to put cynical people like to put two and two together and just assume that, oh look, listen to these guys. They're all they're all cheery and happy. Yeah, they've got to be on the payroll. Let's let's <laughs> put let's drag them down. But you know, it does. Listen, I'll, I'll hold my hands up, you know. You'll you'll know, Joe and Ellis, um, you know, that stuff weighs weighs heavily on me, you know, as a as a personality. I think, you know, you're gonna be, you know, pretty thick skinned to create something like what we've created 
with no, with no kind of malignant kind of purpose. You know, just have people slinging mud at you, you know, for literally no reason. And hundred um, percent, I, I I think a lot of it is what well. a lot of people don't realize how much hard work just like you put into this show alone. Uh, like even the event on Saturday, this this happening that we've touched on, like the, the amount of work behind the scenes that you've put into put that but to put that on, I, I don't think pe- people realise. Well, I tell, I'll tell you what, the, the reality is, it's an interesting one. The reality is a little bit of warts and all now. Um, yeah, getting that stuff up and running, you know, that involves, if you imagine when Paul and I are on the phone talking about what we're going to do on Saturday, that means that I'm not sitting in the lounge, you know, talking to Mrs. H or I'm not sitting there reading the book. You know, one of my, you know, either biological or looked after kids, yeah. you know, not, I'm not um, giving my family the attention that they're due. Now, I love Swindon Town Football Club, like as well you know, like it is. One... <laughs> but you know, you you have to kind of at some point you have to look at that and strike a balance that you know when when people are putting the boot in on you, you know, you're saying to yourself, well, "Hang on a minute, I, maybe I should just be doing other stuff with my time," you know. And then once those kind of doubts start creeping into your mind, and it gets to a stage where you're just dealing with you know, irrational conspiracy theories. You just want to talk. You know, it does. Just It just gets you down in the end. But, yeah. uh, but hey, listen, it gets you down, you know, but we're still here and we're still doing what we do and we're still attracting great people on. But I guess... I, uh, I, I, I did, you sort of mentioned it then, Hannes, but I sometimes I've, I've got to pinch myself. Like, tonight we've had uh, Charlie Austin, Paul Gaddis, Jonah and Hoops, all, all these people... And like a year ago, you know, I was just in the town and watching Swindon, and, and now I'm talking to all these town legends. It's it's a bit surreal, to be honest with you. I get as big a kick, Ellis. I get as big a kick as obviously whilst we're producing the show. The lovely thing about Twitter Spaces is you see who's tuning in, and obviously tonight we've had Tommy Clayton, Jake listening at the moment. We've had Reedy coming on, um, you know. And the lovely thing is, you know, those guys get to. You know, it, I, I know all the things that are going to be talked about tonight, all the stuff that we were talking to Saidu about earlier, that'll be tomorrow's dressing room banter. Um, you know, and it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of blessed, right? We're in a blessed position in that respect without meaning to sound, the, um, without meaning to sound too preachy. But listen, back, back to the agenda, guys, back to the agenda. So, um, We'll have a we'll spend a little bit of time talking about Tranmere. Now, I appreciate we did the live show from the ground at the weekend. It was a little bit raw uh, at the final whistle, but at the same time, we weren't we weren't exactly um, devastated after Saturday's game. I think I think the general vibe, um, both Ellis and Joe, you joined us remotely. Ellis and I were both at the game. Joe was being a, a plastic. Uh, <laughs> we uh, Ellis, our vibe seemed to be a little bit like a little bit of not that there was rot after the cup game, but I think it was a little bit like, you know, it wasn't a defeat, you know, it was a hard-fought draw, decent point against half decent opposition, and we move on, and all eyes on crew, and I think everyone seemed to leave the ground relatively satisfied. There was a, there's a good smattering of dissent on social media, as is always the case with, with the Swindon Town fan base, but um, in the cold light of day, Ellis, um, we were a little bit rushed after the game with our wrap-up. but um, We were, yeah. Oh, like day. What did you, what did you think? What what were your takeaways from Saturday? Um, I think we put in a good performance, and I, I I think the performance that we put in certainly, I think we were the better team, and we deserved three points. Um, but like I said, it was a good performance from from, from the boys, and and 
look, coming off that cup defeat, it, it you you sort of wanted to make a a statement against Tranmere, but um, yeah, some like uh, some decent performances um, across the pitch. Um, a good goal from from uh, Wakelin. He, he's listening now, um, and Hutton up, up up the right, up and down the right. He he played really well, getting the assist as well. So look, it's a positive, a, a point against Tranmere. You're not going to turn down, are you? So um, I think what really struck me, Ellis, after the weekend. I mean, we um, we we talked to Jake after the game, didn't we? About um, we all had a pretty good view of the second goal. I yeah. Was, Really surprised because I didn't see the the interview with um, uh, with Scott Lindsay. I didn't hear the interview until um, Sunday Sunday morning. But um, Scott was saying that the analysts were straight on it, weren't they? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And saying no, it was offside. Yeah, it was offside. Again, I've I've watched the replays at my disposal. I just can't see it. Um, I follow doesn't give a great angle. Um, my nipper caught a cracking um, snap of the goal, but just maybe catches it just the wrong time. But you hear the referee's whistle pretty bloody quick. Like he was, he was absolutely on it, and the flag. Yeah. Up. But um, yeah, that I mean that that really grated on me. I think it grated on me more because it was an absolutely beautiful take, wasn't it? I mean, Joe, oh, the, the way you, the way he brought the ball down and just uh, the whole the whole move as uh, like as a whole, it just deserved we deserved the goal, didn't we? Well, I said I said it was very very Charlie Austin. That finish. I don't know what you think, Joe, but um, you know the the first touch was literally like he was wearing his moccasins, and the and the finish was just absolutely finished with a plum to use a good quality football cliche. Beautiful finish, wasn't it? And it it's just such a shame when a goal like that gets ruled out. I just can't see how it's offside. Like I mean, obviously, I was watching on the telly um, at the time, and I I sort of jumped up and I was almost heading out to run down the road to celebrate. <laughs> And obviously, they, they've Jakey's turned around with a clenched fist, ready to sort of pump the air, and then suddenly he's just gone down and he's sort of trudging back. There wasn't much of a process, which is a bit weird. Um, I just can't see how it was offside because he was at the end of the day. He's when he struck the ball. Obviously, the, the cameras panned just as, as he's on the ball, but he struck the ball fairly quickly. And there are two players either side of him that are about like two to five yards away from him uh, sorry ahead of him mm. so it's like I, I just I, I can't I can't can't wrap my head around it really I, I need some kind of you know League 2 VAR because I need to have some sort of um, you know closure <laughs> how, do we, how do we feel boys generally I mean between the two of you um, sort of what was your feedback I mean to me it felt very much kind of point gained as opposed to two loss but um, good point you know, we've got, we've taken a point against a, a promotion rival at the end of the day. I think if you if you draw against promotion rivals and beat the rest, you go up. So, I, I think I think there's a lot more positives to take from that game than negatives. And um, I, I said it earlier, it, it was it was just a it was a good performance all round. Um, I, I wouldn't really say anyone played particularly bad, but um, like Joe said, a point against a, a Sort of a promotion uh, contending side. You're not going to argue with that, are you? No, I think the the one thing that kind of got people a little bit sniffy was that it was a you know. I mean, if you if you look at the league table, um, you go down as far as thirteenth to see a, a side sort of dropping points. 
Um, you know, uh, sort of essentially, it was a bad. If you look at the t- obviously the top four all won. Um, you know, Barrow were beaten, which was a bit of a surprise for everybody. So we gained ground on Barrow, uh, but Mansfield won as well. So Mansfield gained ground on us. And then you start sort of looking further down the table. And like I said, you get down to Grimsby before you look at the next side that lost. So I think in the context of looking at the rest of the league table, um, it was a bad day at the office. Um, You know, certainly, you know, that's not... um, you know that's not ideal, but let's let's just remember the rest of the the top half of the table weren't playing a a team that was there or thereabouts. You know, in terms of their league position, you know, Tranmere. We talked about it in the in the show on Saturday. Their record is very very similar to Swindon's. It was always yeah. going to be fight, um, and we just didn't get the rubber of green with a goal, did we? Which was a bit of a shame. But um, let's let's um. I say we won't spend too much time talking about Tranmere, but the other kind of like main talking points we'll spend a little bit of time on. So um, Jordan Turnbull returning. Um, normally, um, ex-players come back and haunt us, but um, Turnbull ended up taking an early walk. Um, crosswords with Reedy on his way off the pitch. Um, <laughs> it, um, it, it seemed a little bit, um, I don't know. There was something about that that was really satisfying because like Jordan Turnbull's last return to the county ground, he was uh, he was all wry smiles and little winks to the town end, incurring our ire. Um, it was nice to actually see him take an early bath and um, yeah, after nearly taking Fraser Blake Tracy's head off with the uh, the big ball over the top. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you noticed either, but straight after he got the red, Blake uh, Tracy got straight back up and got in the box, which I thought was pretty class. But yeah. Yeah, and it was part of, obviously, it was a manic Joe. It was a manic kind of sort of five minutes, sort of, you know, it turned out about seven, well, for the last five minutes, but another sort of seven, what felt like seven, eight minutes of stoppage time where we literally had, well, the keepers pulled off two or three fantastic saves. There was an there was a goal-bound, I think it was a goal-bound drive that was tipped over the bar by the, the head of a, um, a Tranmere defend, defender. They literally defended with their lives, didn't they, at the end? Yeah, Reedy's free kick as well. Reedy's yeah. free kick as well. It's one of those ones, like, it's the old cliche. I think if there's five, ten minutes more on the end of that game, I think we score a goal. Mm. Like yeah. it was just an absolute siege, wasn't it? For the last 10, 15 minutes of that match, ten minutes to the end of that game, if, it, if that red card was, you know, ten minutes earlier, I, I can't see us not winning. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm out. You're right. Um, a hundred percent. And it was funny because when the whistle went, there was that sort of telling, sort of sigh, collective sigh, wasn't there? Where it was like, ah, we all knew that we had another goal in us, but. Hey ho, we move on. Like I said, a couple of other sort of talking points. Um, uh, Kean Harry's made a uh, an, an interesting return to the Swindon Town starting lineup. Obviously, making his league debut for the club, and we were all commenting on the fact he looked like a very, very different physical specimen. Ellis, you and I talked about it. Yeah, um, he looked very, very lean, didn't he? He did, and I I, I don't care what anyone says because I I know on Twitter he's got he's got his um let's say haters but he's a good player and there's a player in there boys we wouldn't have signed him at the end of the day and do you know what I think he played well on uh, on Saturday I think he played well he a couple of real good tackles that that he made and he and he made it look easy as well there was a few passes that he made that that were a bit shit but um yeah it, I think there's a player in there and I think it just comes down to game time. I think the, the more he plays, the, the better performances we'll, we'll see from him. Well, you're not, you know, you're not the only one that thinks that. And we, we talked about this at the weekend as well. And I think it was with um, Andrew Hawes was with Dave Hockaday on co-commentary a few weeks back. And 
Hockaday talked about his time uh, developing young players at Coventry. Um, and he singled out Harry, saying that he was the one that was going to make the breakthrough. He was the one that was like the Rolls-Royce footballer that was going to go on and have a great career. And if you look at the trajectory of his career after Hull, uh, sorry, after Coventry, immediately moves on to Swansea, who at the time were right up the leagues. So you can see that Swansea have plucked a very, very exciting young talent off of Coventry. And Mm. then kind of lost his way a little bit there. He's got international recognition with Wales, the under-21 side. And then he's ended up dropping down to Rovers. But interestingly, he's dropped down to Rovers at a time where Rovers have been taken over and there's a lot of momentum behind the club and a lot of expectation. And if he's going there with the expectation, a bit like, say, a Tom Clayton coming to Swindon, right, I'm going to go there. I'm actually going to play my career. I need to play football at the moment. You kind of see why he made that move. But I'll tell you this, in summary, I think I, I don't know how you feel about this, Joe, but I'm more inclined to believe the opinion of someone like Dave Hockaday than a, believe the opinion of, say, 10, 15 Rovers fans on social media that have all got a bee in their bonnet because Harry's has left them and joined us. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. At the end of the day, we spoke about it last week or the week before. The blokes played, you know, championship football. He's played Eredivisie football. He's played League One football. He's played League Two football. He's not shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's played a, a very, very good standard of football. He's played at one of the top divisions in Europe. Um, there's a player in there. I think on Saturday, I think you could see he was a bit ring rusty the first sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes. But I do think he grew into the game. I thought he was, his calmness probably, I think it maybe rubbed off of Brennan onto, onto Kean. Um, I think Kieran Brennan's got a, a very sort of almost like a, a Rio Ferdinand about him. He's quite, he's got the body type, but he's also very relaxed on the ball. And I think for a central defensive partnership, it's important to have someone like that. Mm. I think Kean was sort of maybe um, <coughs> rushing a little bit in the first 10, 15 minutes. I think he got caught out, didn't he, early on, on the ball. Um, and he had a bit of a moan at Sol. Uh, I think that might have been the turning point in his match where he thought, you know, hang on, I've got a little bit more, um, not a little bit more time on the ball, I guess. A little bit more of a uh, a network around me. In Fraser Blake, Tracy to my left, Kieran Brennan to my right, and Sol Brin behind me. I can play the ball when I I haven't got to do it my, on my own. Yeah, I, I just think he grew, he grew into it really nicely, and I think you know he he was he was relaxed. He was he was commanding. He was quicker than I thought he was. Um, in his reaction through transitions, I think it was a good performance. You know, I, I, he he probably did a lot for his um, his reputation, if you like, in, within town fans. I, I I think I could be wrong, and I'd love to know. I'd love to hear from from Kian on this, but I think a lot of this comes down to fitness. I'll tell you the one thing I noticed on Saturday was for the first time, every time I've seen Harry's play. Bearing in mind, Joe, you and I have seen him in preseason. Um, we've seen him in cup games this season. Harry's always seems to have a very, this is going to make people laugh, but a very, very, very red face, almost like he's blown out. (laughs) On Saturday, not only like physically, he looked very different to the Harry's that I recall from, for example, Cardiff pre-season. Physically, we commented, Joe, on our commentary that he kind of looks a little bit off it, a little bit out of shape. You know, I thought on Saturday, he literally looked like an absolute tower. Um, he looked like um, you were saying about a Rio Ferdinand type build. That for me, that's a very, very good comparison. Um, but for he me, got, he got a buzz cut for the for the occasion as well. 
Yeah, but I mean, I, again, I wonder whether that's, again, part of a, right, okay, let's just like strip this back to basics. You know, off comes off comes the big main, um, you know, just literally get my head down in the gym, just beast myself, because when my opportunity comes, I'm not going to let it pass. And it was a bit of a, I mean, I think a lot of people jumped on his back on Saturday because the goal came from a, from a through ball straight down the middle. And obviously, if you've got three centre-backs, you're expecting at least one of them to be there. But then you've also got to be pointing questions at who was playing central defensive midfield as well and who was offering cover at the back. And I just thought that we're very, very quick to jump on Harry's back. And I'm really pleased that, that Kean grew into the game. And, I mean, for me, he was one of the options for man of the match um, at the end of the game at the, at the final whistle. Um, so, yeah, more of the same. I mean, we're, we're, we'll be expecting him to start again at the weekend, won't we, obviously? Yeah. Um, I we've we touched on it earlier I, I just think it's down to him playing minutes the, the more he plays the more the more comfortable he's going to get and th- don't forget the, that back line haven't played with, with each other this season yet so look, it's, it, he just needs to be given minutes and get get his fitness back back up to scratch and I'm sure that Rolls Royce player will come back out Minutes and a bit of belief. I mean, if we, if we're to reflect on some of the content that you know that's come out of this show tonight, a lot of the talk has been about positivity. You know, the kit men came on and talked about it in relation to their video. You know, we've talked about it in relation to our content output. You know, Caddy's talked about positivity. You know, there's there's a whole host of things here, but I just think we you know we've got nothing to lose. Like you know, at the end of the day, they like I said, I'm more lot more inclined to listen to Dave Hockaday. There is a top top player in Kean Harry's. Just needs. People. I'm not saying it's going to be. This is going to be like ringing out in the town end on Saturday. But he clearly, as you said there, Hannah, he looks like a confidence player. If we got a song going for Kean Harry's, I think it would mean the world to him. And I think it would genuinely push him on and spur him on to have that self-belief and, and that extra sort of grit in his teeth. I'm not sure. I can't come up with a Kean Harry's song on the spot right now. But... No, but to your know, point... I think he's one of those give you to the end of the show, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Listen, though, to your point... You know, the guys played Eredivisie. You know, the guys played for Swansea. The guys played for Coventry. I'm sorry, but those are levels above where we're at. And he's got he's got a well-respected... In Dave Ockaday, got a well-respected football coach who talks about him being a Rolls-Royce footballer. Like, you know, if ever there's somebody where you've got to actually put a little bit of faith in, and, and you know, well, why should I get behind that player? Give me an excuse. Well, I'm not being funny. Like, you know, what have you got to lose? You know, <laughs> you know yeah, at the end of the day, like, that's... Um, you know, he's been bought in for a reason. Clearly, the you know the the recruitment algorithms have identified that he is a he is a player that very much fits what it is we are trying to do. We as supporters have got to just get off people's backs because it feels to me we're giving the Rovers fans exactly what it is that they want. So they almost want us to turn on him from the outset because a Rovers don't want to be proved wrong for letting him go, and b guess what we're one of the local bloody rivals, so of course they're going to dig him out. So don't give them what they're after. Let's get behind the kid. But yeah, but when all said and done, at the end of the day, listen, football's a performance-based game, right? It's about winning. winning. Um, and at the end of the day, whilst we didn't win on Saturday, good, decent point, and Keen Harry's looked decent at the back. Nice to see Jakey Wakes. We won't spend too much time about it, but you mentioned it, boys. Jakey Wakes back in the gold groove, unlucky with one disallowed. And the other big story from the weekend, of course, was Willow being rested um, ahead of the World Cup. It's definitely the right thing to do, boys, wasn't it? Yeah, I... Which God copied us? Yeah, yeah. But you got to ask the question: Would we have won that game with with Willow playing? Uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe, possibly, we could have got got another goal. 
But look, it, it's it's an opportunity that he's not going to get again in his career, and you can't turn him down at playing at the World Cup. At the end of the day, it's an opportunity we might not get as as a football club for another 25, 30 years yeah, with a play against the yeah. World Cup and getting 200 odd K or whatever it is in through just for three weeks of not having a football over in your side. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, very well. Very well point. Very well made. Well, listen, um, as you all know, we've got a couple of things we'll be giving away tonight. One of which is a signed picture of uh, Johnny Williams himself. Um, so we will be um, we'll be catching up with um, uh, catching up with Sidu. We'll be working his favourite question asked of him earlier, and the signed Johnny Williams will be making their way um, to that um, said question poser. Um, similarly, with the um, Dan Hines has very kindly provided us with a brand new print for our number twenty three Sidu Khan, which is available in his store, and he's given one to us in A four. Um, we'll be making similar selection um, and we will make sure that you're notified through your DM or via a tweet so keep your eyes open on that front um, guys we're nearing the end of the show now but obviously we've got the small matter of crew at the weekend so obviously crew are, are, are managed by Alex Morris um, picked up a handy win at the weekend against struggling Colchester United and interestingly the week prior knocked Leighton Orient out of the cup and we talked last week's show didn't we about lower league pros and um, surprises in the cup and so on and so forth. And we talked about Richie Wellens and we were given insights by people that have played for Wellens as to how he feels about the cups uh, as a lower league manager. But surprise, surprise, crew knocked uh, Leighton Orient out of the cup, which I'm sure will stand. We'll, uh, Richie ultimately, I think, would have probably been delighted about that because now they can, quote, focus on the league. Um, crew, though, however, going back to them on the weekend, they've got real injury problems that seem to be affecting their season. So, interestingly, they're going to be without Courtney Baker-Richardson. Seven goal Courtney Baker-Richardson started the season absolutely flying. But he's broken himself, weirdly, playing on his Xbox. So, Christ knows how he's done that, but that wow. repetitive strain syndrome. No, he's not hurt a thumb. He's done his knee in, apparently. So, <laughs> that, that must have been some celebration scoring a goal on FIFA. It's got to be, right? I mean, I was going to say, if he was like bowling on his Wii or something, I'd have that. Broken <laughs> himself playing on his Xbox. But nonetheless, other people to watch out for. So keep an eye out for um, Callum Ainley. So he's got four assists in 11. Um, although, um, I say keep an eye out for him. Apologies. Sorry, he's in my he's in my injury list. So Callum Ainley, four assists in 11, is also out um, injured long term. But the goal threat um, is Dan Agi. So five goals for Dan Agi so far. Rangy Pacey, um, centre centre forward. So keep an eye out for Dan Agi. But how we feel about... As FIFA fans would uh, describe him, it'd be lengthy. Yes, lengthy. But, you know, clearly 16th in the table. So, Cruz record so far. Play 17, won five, drew seven, lost five. They scored 16 goals. They have conceded 20. Uh, and their form guide um, reads three draws, two defeats, and one win from their last six league games. So, a couple of wins on the bounce, though, as I mentioned, um, both in the Cup um, and indeed at the weekend um, in the league. So um, one of those where I don't think we should have much to fear with crew at the weekend, boys, but how are you feeling? Um, I'm Like you said, I don't think we have anything like majorly to, to, to fear. 
I, I think we should beat them. Uh, but it's I don't it's not going to be a walk in the park. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see us get get a win. Well, they're 16th in the table and statistics don't lie. And the fact is they're crippled with injury. So if there's a good time to play Crew Alexandra, now is a good time to play them. Their two main goal threats are, are obviously out on the injured list. Um, and we've also got the, uh, just to get up their supporters' nose, we've got, as we mentioned earlier, Paul Caddish returning to the county ground, parading the League 2 trophy in front of our fans and indeed theirs. And they were very salty weren't they, with the whole PP? <laughs> they were indeed. We, I'm we... just glad that David Artell's not there anymore. I used to, I bloody hate that bloke. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I used to hope the crew lost every week just because of him. I couldn't really care less <laughs> what they do now. No one likes a grudge. No one likes it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Joe, how are you feeling about crew at the weekend? Um, I don't want to use the words kind of, you know, run of the mill, but the boys should be going into that game with their towels up, shouldn't they? Yeah, it's one of those. I'm not really... I wouldn't say I'm not arsed. It's, it's a league fixture and three points is important. But it's not one of those games where you're going into the weekend, you're thinking, oh, this could be a bit, you know, I, I'm, I'm not particularly confident. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't got any butterflies in my stomach, I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's one of those ones where Saturday free comes around, comes around and I'm not like anxiously waiting for the, the referee's whistle to go. It's just, it's, it's, it's another, just game. another game. Yeah it's, yeah, it's one of those. I think we should be beating them. I'm kind of, in my head, I said it a few weeks ago, um, before the Mansfield game, actually, and I didn't kind of expect it to come through in that match. But I think it's one of those games where we should be beating them 3-4-0. We should be using it as an opportunity to to really boost that goal difference. Well, crew, crew are toiling mid-table, as I say, at the moment. But actually, Saturday's quite important because they've got a game in hand, um, it, it, certainly over us, but including quite a few teams around them or certainly directly above them. So if they win on Saturday, it puts them up to 25 points, which could potentially lift them up to 13th. But if you look at the promotion picture, if results went their way, Mansfield are currently in seventh spot on 30 points. So they kind of need to win. Um, to avoid that kind of gap really starting to open up. And, you know, otherwise, you know, essentially by kind of like you know, February time, cruise season could be looking over before it's even really kind of started. And But then all the talk coming out of the crew camp is that they have been really unlucky with injury. Like they're playing some all right stuff. So it sounds like we can expect a typical crew Alexandra team. So lots of nice football, lots of nice intent, um, some very very decent technicians with the with the with the with the ball on the ground. That's going to surely play into our hands as well, guys, isn't it? Because crew aren't known for being a bunch of six foot five shit houses. You know, they're almost like a club where their playing style is very much swimming down. Hundred percent. We we play so much better against teams that come to the county ground and play and try and play football because um, you you see it. We, we say it week in, week out, but when a team comes to the counting ground and just puts 11 men behind the ball, it's it's painful to watch because they offer nothing. And But when teams come to the counting ground and sort of press at us a little bit more, it allows us to play football. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to see a, a team play football, a bit like Bradford. That... that it, it's it's just a more exciting game of football at the end of the day. Mm. Well, look, the way results went around us um, on Saturday, I, I guess we really, really need to win. If we if we get the results, if results go in our favour at the weekend, currently on thirty one points, 
North, and we're sit, sat in sixth. Northampton in third place in the first of the automatic promotion places are on 35 points. So obviously you're not genius. You don't need to be geniuses. We get a win under our belt. Results go our way. We kind of need to try and start just maintaining that gap between us and the top three spots. I think as the season continues to tick along, I appreciate there is a lot of football to be played, but when you start looking at Leighton Orient on 42 points, and then you look at our 31 points, you start to think, yeah, there's a fair old gap starting to open up now as this, as this table is starting to take shape. Um, so I think, I mean, we've, we've seen pretty much all the teams um, above us and around us now. I think we've been impressed with Orient, haven't we? And we took a point off them. And we were all impressed with Stevenage. Stevenage obviously beat us. Um, Northampton Town, again, you know, very, very dogged, well-structured team. Um, I think we all know that Bradford are going to be there or thereabouts. Mansfield are going to be there or thereabouts. So we start looking a little further down the table you start to sort of see teams that we weren't particularly that impressed with. So I think all those sides that I've mentioned, you start to get a flavour. They're going to be with us um, for the for the, for the the run-in, if you will, um, between now and the end of the season will be my hunch. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, really, a, a win's important on, on Saturday for both teams. So I think what you're going to see is, obviously, as, as we mentioned, Ellis, both teams playing nice football, but both teams are going to want to have a proper go at each other on Saturday, and that's got to be good news. So I'm going to go with a nice. Um, I'm going to go four-one town. Will be will be my daddy. Yeah, I've got a feeling there's going to be a good feel-good factor around the county ground. Caddis back with the trophy. Um, you know, all the as much feel-good as we can whip up in the in the in the legends and around the ground before the game. Caddis coming out at halftime, parading around the stadium, just getting spirits lifted up, get everyone feeling a bit positive. Um, but I just think we'll have too much in the locker. I know we've got injuries at the back, but I think we've got enough um, in the um, in, in in the attacking departments, midfield and up top, um, to cause um, crew some serious problems. So I'm going for a handsome four-one win. What are you thinking, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be on the same sort of lines as you, to be honest. Um, I can see it being four or five nil. I reckon three nil half time. I'll go five nil. I, I genuinely, I think they're probably going to get a spanking. Well, we talked about it before Mansfield, didn't we? As the, you know, that that was a result that for many was waiting to happen, and then yeah. obviously we followed it up with a cup defeat. But then we, you know, we kind of bounced back against a very good team with a point. But um, you know, it, along similar lines, like, I just think if the, I, I can see that I can see that the boys have got a statement performance in the locker. What what are you thinking, Ellis? Yeah, similar to you guys. I, I think three one, four one, maybe. I, I, I don't know if we can keep a clean sheet just with our injuries at the back. But like you said, Hannah's, we've we've got great attacking players. Like, I, I just think, yeah, three one, three one. I'm going with. I think the fact that Wakelin scored last week as well. I think it's a massive weight off his shoulders, and I think he's just going to be, you know, playing. He plays with freedom anyway. We know what he's like, and he's. He's a live wire going forward and he, he likes a pot shot and he tries his luck. But I just think he's going to be shooting left, right and centre on Saturday. I think two or three will find his way into the net. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see uh, a, a solo do Khan goal. For I, his special I, I celebration? Think, yeah, I, I think a, a goal's coming from him. Um, he's dangled that carrot, hasn't he? I've he has. What he's got in the locker with his celly. It, sound, it sounds like an absolute belter. And I t- <laughs> Dan Design's got a little bit early on his print. Has, now, after what Saidu's told us exclusively on the show tonight, 
I've got a feeling that Dan Designs may well be producing a second side who can't print pretty well, blood. We've got two kits, to be fair. So Dan's got two opportunities and an away kit and a third kit to, to get two more side prints out. You watched Sidey Guard score at the weekend and now you said that in red. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be complaining. Right, listen, before we wrap up, we have one little piece of business left, which is transfer window, gentlemen. It's about six weeks away now. Um, my illustrious uh, three, three-man panel, as we are tonight. Mm. Um, what, what do you think? You, you've seen the you've seen the squad um, come together. You've seen a, an awful lot of comings and um, and goings, but you pretty much see a squad now where you've got two players for pretty much every position, and we've also got flexibility as we saw at the weekend. Marcel Lavinier coming on um, and playing wide on the left hand side in an advanced position. We spoke to Marcel after the um, after the game at the weekend, and Marcel was saying that that's not a position that's unfamiliar to him and Swindon. Town fans will, of course, be familiar with Rob Hunt, right-footed, playing on the left as a fullback. Um, so what I'm trying to say is we've got a lot of players like Marcel, who actually, we've got Marcel, we've got Ellis Iandolo, we've got Tyree Shade, we've got boys in our squad that are capable of playing sort of like two or three positions. So, with January approaching, do you think Scott Lindsay, Sandro et al are going to stick or do you think they're going to twist? And if they twist, what do you think we need? Um, I think we definitely need another keeper. Uh, there, there was um, sort of talks about it earlier on in the season, uh, where they just haven't quite found a keeper that fits um our system. So whether they found one or not, but I, I just think with uh. You know, with any injuries, like if if Brim was to get injured now, uh, we could be in a bit of a pickle. Um, so now, I think. Let me jump in at this stage. So yeah, yeah. I much enjoyed watching Jack Copland's um, warm up at the weekend. Indeed, yeah. So um, I ran a critical goalkeeping eye over Jack Copland. I think. Um, I so Jack Copland, I described his style um, and appreciate it was a warm up environment as opposed to a competitive match. But he's very much kind of Jordan Pickford, um, if you were, for example, to mm. say that you know Soul Man is a little bit more aligned, aligned to, let's say, um, a Nick Pope for all yeah. from Ramsdale, for want of a better word. So um, I think uh, Cop- Copland looks like he's got similar characteristics to a kind of you know your classic sweeper keeper. Um, moves really, really well. Clearly, a nice, a nice pair of hands on him. Um, Made some cracking saves in the warm up. May I add, cracking yeah, yeah. saves. Looks really decent, but it really struck me, sort of, you know, being sort of fifteen, twenty feet away from the kid, uh, you know, just how sort of young he is. He's got an awful lot of development before I think I would be comfortable seeing him thrown into, you know, the cauldron that is League Two football. So I think, you know, if you if you really had your arm chance. I think, you know, the big debate we were having at the weekend, Ellis, you'll recall, was go mm. Mildy on the bench, given the rigours of League Two, yeah. or stay true to Scott Lindsay uh, and, you know, do you give youth a chance? Well, he's clearly, he's chosen the latter. Um, but what I would what I would suggest is that I'm with you. I, I, I think just for the sake of for Jack's own welfare and, and his own development, I think it's good that he gets experience of the first team. But I don't think it's fair on 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 Jack to if he was to get thrust into League Two football at this very very tender age. I I just don't think the time's right for him. No, he, he's he, look, there's a keeper there. He, he, 
he's going to be a, a great keeper, but at this stage in his career, he's just not ready. Yeah, so I'm sure. Sorry, Jack, Mister and Mrs. Copland, I'm sure you will disagree. And uh, <laughs> we, we, I'd like to stress, I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, don't think your kids up to it. But no, I, not not at all. I'm coming out from a point of view of, you know, sometimes I think it can be, you know, it can be as much of a hindrance as a help uh, to thrust someone, thrust someone into um, into the starting lineup. Now, obviously. I think it would take something fairly tragic to be happening to the soul man for us to even have to contemplate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's got, he's more than capable of going in there and do, doing the job. Like he's got the talent to be able to do that. It's just at his age to be chucked in the deep end. Like you said, it, it's it's a bit of an ask, isn't it? Yeah. Joe, Joe, you're obviously of the opinion we need a goalkeeper. I'm going to guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably a timely reminder for our weekly um, message to any Middlesbrough personnel listening that Sol Brin is in fact shit. Oh, he's absolute cack. Yeah, just yeah. to be clear about that. We don't um, but it might, to be fair, if he goes, we're in, we're in trouble, aren't we, really? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of our centre-backs leaving in the, in the January window and maybe someone coming in. Because we're, I think, in terms of personnel on paper, we're probably oversubscribed for that position, but we're low on numbers. And I think, personally, I could see Brennan getting recalled. Yeah, so could I, mate. To be honest, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? I think everyone's had their injury issues, and I think availability is the best ability in football. Yeah. So you can't. People have a go at like Harry Maguire and stuff in the Premier League, saying he's he's not up to it, or whatever. But Harry Maguire is probably one of the in terms of being available, the fittest players over the last 10, 15 years in the Premier League, he's, he's never off injured, he's never missing games. And we, we sort of need that sort of, that stalwart in our in our defence. Um, fingers crossed, obviously, Angus is coming back soon, so Angus hopefully can stay fit for the rest of the season and be that man. But I think a centre-back coming in would be useful. I think maybe a striker as well. Obviously, we've got Tommy Adeloy, who hasn't done... He's not pulled up sort of trees. He's not been around the the side that often. Whether that's due to you know just not being picked or injury or whatever, that's that's not for us to know really. Um, Oscar Massey was obviously come in. He's got, he had a massive he had a massive um, reputation at the youth team level. Was given the number fourteen, which is a, a in my eyes a first team number. I and mean, we've not seen him for a second. We've got Luke Jeffcott on loan, who we should be making a permanent in January, which I'm sure we'll see come through. And we've got young Jake Wakelin, who's done amazing, probably a lot more than any of us thought he would do. I just think, in January, honestly, what I'm looking for is experience. I think players that have been there and done it and have have got promoted out of this division, they are the sort of the Frenchies and Gladwin that we spoke about earlier on in the dressing room being the ones that are sort of running the gaff a little bit, they're they're um, they're setting standards. They're sort of maybe trying to help out players that are could be prone to struggling through criticism on social media or or whatever. I just think two or three older heads in the dressing room. I think goes a long way. I think an yeah, older goalkeeper, a Luke McCormick, if you like, an older twenty-eight to thirty-year-old centre back, and probably the same in the strikers' bit, strikers' position. And I think we're good. Yeah, because we do have a very young squad, don't we? So a bit, a bit of experience won't won't go amiss. Yeah, I mean, listen, for me, it's a goalkeeper. Um, I would, I, I kind of concur in relation to the centre backs. I don't, 
I, I actually think if I'm Sheffield Wednesday now, I'd actually be quite positive of the fact that, you know, Kieran Brennan has had to grit his teeth and really grind his way back into the team. I appreciate we've had some injuries, which has opened the door for Don't him. Don't get me wrong on Brennan as well. He's done well. I'm not trying to push him out the door and say he hasn't done no, well against the team because he has done well. Joe, listen, I completely agree. The thing the thing that I've always kind of held on to, even when you know, Brennan was battering to deceive in some for some people, was um, pre-season, Sheffield Wednesday fans were all very, very keen to tell us, unlike Rovers fans with Harry's, um, Wednesday fans were all of the opinion, right? Like, you know, look after this kid. You know, this kid's a baller. Like, you've got an absolute player. I can't believe he's dropped down to League Two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, Brennan is a experienced... He's got a really mature head on young shoulders. And I, and I, I just think he's going to just get better and better and better. I'll tell you what's going to be fascinating. I mean, um, you know, there, were, there was a lot of chat, um, people writing off Matt Baldry at the weekend. You know, oh, his legs are this, he's that... Um, you know, I again, I, I, I can't comment. It's not like that was coming from inside the club or anyone that I'd really want to listen to. But I just think um, I, I'm, I'm of the sort of, I'm of the opinion now that I just really want to see. You know, we've seen Matt's dropped a couple of clangers in the last few weeks. I really want to see Harry's and Brennan given a given a run, given an opportunity. The way they lined up, you remember the Woking Joe, the way they lined up against um, Woking was that we started, with, well, we had the three at the back, didn't we? And Harry's was in there with Brennan and Bowdery. It was now, identical to what Saturday was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, I, I just think, you know, really, for me for me in January, I, I, I can see Wednesday letting hold of Brennan. I think we've got to, we've got to spend a bit of money on Fraser Blake Tracy. I think, you know, he is enjoying an absolute renaissance in his career with us. Um, I think he's so good. That it's a little bit Doyle and Bradford. I can just see that Burton's struggling in the division above. They will just look to bring him back. Um, and I think the fact that they cut tied him for us as well said yeah. that as well. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to just how just how much Fraser Blake Tracy wants to stay with us and how much he kind of stamps his feet at their end. He's out of contract at the end of the year. Yeah, he's out of contract with no option as well. So yeah. Burton can't be asking for more than genuinely about ten grand. So, I mean, really, if I was, you know, if I was Fraser Blake Tracy, I think it's about, I mean, when he came on the show, you know, I think he, it would be easy to misconstrue what he said, to put, put it politely, Joe. You'll know what I'm about to talk about. You know, he um, he talked about, you know, being at Swindon, like for the first time in a very long time, being at a proper football club and how he's really enjoyed that. That's that's really helped him and helped his career. So I, I, I think he's, I I think that we will, We'll spend a bit of cash in January, and I think we'll keep. Before holding. we, um, I think you're probably total bang, bang on there. To be fair, mate, but before we move on from like loans and that, and we end the show, what's your gut feeling on Solbrin? I, I think Solbrin's with us for the duration. I think you've got in in terms of the pecking order at Middlesbrough, you've got goalkeepers further up the league that I think are, um, are are more likely to be recalled in terms of being recalled for Borough duty. And I don't honestly believe that Borough would have let him get cup-tied with us if they had an intention of bringing him back and sending him out on loan to another team. I, I think at the end of the day, listen, Sol Brin's playing regular League 2 football. It's going to toughen him up. You've only got to look at what he's done for Stephen Bender's career. Um, and I think Sol Brin's in a very, very similar position. I think he's another interesting one. I mean, they've got an option on him from what I understand, but his contract's up at the end of the season as well. Um, 
But I, I think you listen to the noises that are coming out of Swindon Town. Like Scott Lindsay's been very open in saying, I, I think we've got Bob open, no open, one of them dead, um, about bringing Sol, Sol Brin back to the well, camp. Sandro just laughed, didn't he, when we asked him the question at the live show? Exactly. Imagine the scenes, though, if we do sign them. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be huge. It'd be huge. I think the one the one thing that really, I'd love us to, if we're going to spend a proper bit of money, I would love us to spend a proper bit of money on a on a on a striker. I think Jeff Gott is, I think, only part of the jigsaw, and I do think that um, there's probably room in our squad um, for an experienced goal getter. Um, and you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sniffy if we bring someone in on the on the wrong side of thirty, um, someone that's been there, done it. I think the one thing this squad's missing is that little bit of nastiness, and that's that's what I'd like us to to bring into the mix. So um, yeah, that'll I think that'll that'll do me nicely. But um, I mean, I think for, I mean from a show point of view, guys, um, I think that that pretty much um, that pretty much does us for the night, doesn't it? What a whopper of a show! Three hours and twenty minutes worth. But it was a had, marathon, but it was a um, it felt like a sprint, didn't it? Really, we had an awful lot to awful lot to get through, didn't we? Um, so, but but what a treat! And so, just just to recap for those of you listening, in, they may have come a little bit late to the show. Um, exclusive news um, from uh, Paul Caddis. Um, Caddis has accepted the invite to join us at Tom Broadbent Lounge on Saturday, um, and um, Paul is going to be um, joining us for pie. Uh, so, pie and a pint with Paul in a pub. But it's not the pub; it's the Legends Lounge on Saturday. Get get in bright and early. The Legends Lounge is going to be open from twelve o'clock. Paul is going to be in the Legends Lounge with us and the League Two trophy. It'll be posing for pictures, but please do, guys, bring some loose change. Drop a fiver or a tenner or whatever you're going to fall into a bucket as well. You know, if you can if you can push the boat out. All money raised from Saturday is going straight towards type one diabetes research. Uh, Paul's currently raised the best part of three thousand pounds towards his five thousand pound total. And he's going to be climbing the three peaks, and a few of us are going to be going along the way. Ellis is already committed to climbing all three peaks with him. I'm hopeful that I'm going to do at least one, but we'll see. But on top of that, on Saturday, guys, Paul Caddis is going to make his long-awaited return to the county ground pitch. Sadly, not with his boots on, but he will be doing a lap of honour with the League Two trophy and presenting it to the fans. Long overdue. Um, and like we pointed out, the team that we beat to the trophy on Saturday, uh, um, uh, back in the Richie Wellens era, was indeed, is indeed our opposition for Saturday in Corral Alexandra, just to spice things up a little bit as Paul does that. So um, we're in for a fantastic day with Paul the weekend. Please spread the word. We are going to be tweeting about it um, after the show. Please retweet. Make sure that everyone knows. Bring your friends, bring your dog, bring your auntie, bring your uncle, bring the guys from the car wash. Pack the county ground out on Saturday. Let's make a right racket for Paul. And hopefully his little girl, Summer, who is the one that has been battling type 1 diabetes, um, having found out that she de- she's developed it only three weeks ago. Um, we had Saidu Khan join us, of course, for a brilliant live Q&A. Um, Saidu says his apologies for the poor audio quality. Um but hopefully you've got just about enough. Um, just turn up your turn up your volume as and how you need to. But he gave a brilliant, brilliant interview. It was a real treat to hear Sidu. We heard from Charlie Austin from down in Brisbane, giving his opinions on everything from Qatar to social media in the modern day dressing room. Um, we had Annie Colston and Lanes Diaz Butcher, of course, talking us through their cup win at the weekend. Um, plus um, their uh, fixture, uh, another cup game coming up this weekend. 
Um, although they couldn't tell us whether they're home or away, but we'll leave Kian to uh, uh, to give them both a good ticking off on that front. Indeed, as their sponsors, we should probably know as well. But I'm sure they'll forgive us. Um, wow, I don't know what else to say other than, listen, we are the Saturn Broadbent Lounge. It's been our absolute pleasure to host you uh, tonight. I hope you've enjoyed the show. <clears throat> For those of you that tuned in, our normal nine o'clock start. I'm afraid, guys, it was a seven o'clock start tonight, um, subject to Saidu's um, availability. So um, the show is recorded. Please do listen back. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Um, I'm absolutely bushed. It's time for a gin and tonic. As I said, Tom Broadbent Lounge. Um, we're an independent fan Twitter space, and our views do not represent those of Swindon Town Football Club or indeed our partners, Dan Designs and Vera Logic. It's been our absolute pleasure. Come on, you Reds. See you at the County Ground on Saturday. <laughs>